And welcome to Ghost Divers. This is an anime podcast on the Export Audio Network. I am your co-host, Neve, and I'm joined, as always, by your other co-host, Connor. Hey. And we are covering, um, I forgot to update this in here, uh, chapters 7 through 12 of Nana. Um, yes. <laughs> which is finishing out volume 3 and then reading through all of 4. Um, so, before we get into it, yeah. I have one important question for you that okay. I couldn't uh I've been puzzled about it. It do you think Sachiko was also making burgers for Shoji? Um at, when they're at the grocery store. Do you think she was making burgers? Yeah. Um I don't know cuz I mean what what do we see in that that scene? Um It's like her like, in the produce section. Yeah, but does she say anything related to it? No, she's she's silent, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't actually know. I mean, part of me feels like um like like it, she is. Part of me feels like she is. Part of me feels like maybe she is just trying to figure out what to make for dinner. You know? Like mm-hmm. for herself. Like Shoji's not even coming over today. Um, mm, yeah, but, but that, that doesn't entirely matter, you know? Um, see, I feel like she is. Yeah, uh, I think, I think she is, but I think the whole, we'll get to it, but there's like a, a thing that happens around that in terms of like a certain paralleling, uh, that we'll get to. Yeah. But I, for that paralleling, I don't think it, it actually truly matters. What matters is that that's what Hachi thinks is happening. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of why I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I've, 
I feel a little more strongly that she is in fact making the burgers just because so much of Sachiko is like the realization of uh, all of Hachi's projections. Um, yeah. A and thing- then like doing the thing for <laughs> Shoji that uh, Hachi believes that she should be doing for, sh- for Shoji, but that she really actually just wants to do for Nana. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're jumping which is exactly what's bit. happening. Okay, the other, right. uh, the other yeah. thing I, I just want to say before we get like into this. Um, so in between uh, like last recording and this recording, um, our first discussion episode for volume one went out. Uh, and I want to have like some of the panels that we talked about, um, you know, either like pages or just some of the panels or whatever in the post that I send out. Um, one, just to be like, you know, here's some of the art and stuff, but I think also will be, um, you know, maybe useful for people who are listening along and like, don't immediately have a copy that they can look at. They can reference like the promo tweet that I do. Um, but anyway, while I was doing that, I, I was flipping through volume one, finding the panels and realized just how much Sachiko looks like Hachi, like at the time where uh, Shoji was first falling for Hachi, like before they like started dating and everything where mm-hmm, she has that really short hair. hair. Yeah, she has like like there was a part where I was just like quickly flipping through trying to find like the don't touch me panel. And I, and I like was just quickly tabbing through cause I was trying to get like a screenshot of it. Um, so I was doing it on like a, di- a digital copy rather than in the, the, um, you know, physical version. Uh, and so in like flipping really quickly, there was a moment where I was like, was that Sachiko? And I was like, oh no, that's Hachi. <laughs> um, yeah. when she has short hair, she, she looks almost identical. Yeah. So deepening the, uh, the connection there. Yeah. Um, Which I mean, uh, you know, the symbology has a type, but, but also, yeah, there is a paralleling. Yeah. Um, Well, there's the like character grounded, uh, like real connection. And then there's the symbolic connection that are both kind of happening at once with that. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I'll say is not pertaining to Nana at all, but, uh, so ever since we've done ghost divers, you've always had uh, your cats like breaking in to your recording studio. Yeah. Uh, this has emerged as a thing uh, with my dog now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so tonight uh, I've got her here in with me, especially cause Sarah, Sarah's out like seeing a friend. Um, and so especially when Sarah's gone, uh, our dog Peggy just really wants to be like around me. Um, so if you hear any strange, it will probably noise cancel it out. Uh, but if you hear some strange noises in the background, uh, like snorting type noises or whatever, um, that's, that's the reason. Um, you've seen the non-homophobia zone art, right? Uh yes. I've I've seen it a couple times. Yeah. Uh I do I just do it on the like promo tweets for that now. Uh it's very good and it does have Lem just being a menace. 
yeah. uh, knocking of the mic. <laughs> um, thankfully, the uh, the dog interruption is it's a little different from the cat interruption is like being a menace and uh, disturbing things, but the dog interruption is just like she. She carries a lot of weight in her soft palate, so she snorts when she <laughs> when she uh, when she's sleeping deeply. Yeah, am uh, I am I hearing some dog snores right now? You may be. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. It. Hopefully, it's <laughs> hopefully it's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I yeah. don't know if it's gonna. I don't. We'll see if noise canceling gets it, but it's probably not going to. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Um, yeah, I just don't have the heart to. Uh, to kick her out of here. Yeah. So, uh, it, it comes and goes anyway, um. uh, <laughs> on to, uh, talking about another, uh, another, <laughs> uh, person who's related to dogs, uh, <laughs> Hachi and her owner, Nana. Yeah. Um, so do you have, uh, I guess any general comments, about the um, the grouping, I, th- I think uh, we can. I think we can just run through all the chapters, maybe, and then we'll like the the synopses, and then we'll we'll run through discussion. After. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, I'll go ahead and do the first. Okay. Uh, so chapter seven, Hachi learns the money her mom sent uh, was a dowry. Uh, she contemplates the peculiarities of Nana and Yasu's relationship. And dreams of a fancy wedding and a house. Uh, the dowry uh, obviously is m- mistakenly given to her uh, yeah. because her sisters t- had told, gave their mom bad in- <laughs> bad information that Nana's uh, has eloped when she actually has not, uh, or maybe she has in a manner of uh, in a way. But yeah. Meanwhile, Shoji wrestles with his conflicting feelings for Hachi and Sachiko. And al- although he determines to stay loyal to Hachi, he ends up sleeping with Sachiko. At the same time, Hachi tells Nana her dream of a house with the yard, and Nana promises to buy her that house with the money she makes with her voice. Uh, chapter 8. <clears throat> the situation escalates further as Junko and Kyosuke become aware of Shoji's cheating. Meanwhile, Hachi is struggling with her new job at a publisher, Uh, I didn't put in here that she got the job because it was less important than this part. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But she is elated when she arrives home to find that Nana and the rest of Blast have scored their first gig for the night of May 5th. Uh, Hachi calls Shoji to invite him to the show, but he tells her that he has work, when in fact he has chosen to spend the night with Sachiko celebrating her birthday instead. Taking advice from Junko to uh, make more of an effort to spend time with Shoji, Hachi decides to stop by Shoji's work with Nana and Shin. Chapter 9. Shin takes off to spend the night with a woman in Rukongi. Hachi wants to stay outside the restaurant to surprise Shoji uh, when he gets out of work, and after some talk, Nana agrees to keep her company. When Sachiko and Shoji get off work and have an emotional moment in the parking lot, uh, Nana and Hachi learn of his infidelity. In the ensuing fight and the aftermath, Hachi chooses not to fight for Shoji, uh, allowing the relationship to, to dissolve, uh, and instead leans on Nana for support. The next day, a letter arrives for Hachi with tickets to the Trapness concert. 
Chapter 10. Junko and Kyosuke tell Shoji to steer clear of Hachi, and he exits the manga, mostly for now. Um, he still shows up sometimes in the, the like, <clears throat> chapter bonus stuff at the end, the, the Junko's room. Um, but he'll be back. Uh, probably not for a while. But <laughs> yeah. Um, Hachi I'm goes, sure we're, we're all mourning. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Hachi goes to Blast's first Tokyo concert, which is a success. Um, at the after party, Hachi becomes jealous of Blast's beloved fan, Misato, and also possessive about Nana. But then she questions why she's having such intense, and at times even sexual, feelings about Nana, uh, but then concludes that it's just because she hasn't gotten laid recently, and she should just find a new guy to fuck instead. Um, and that would that would fix this up, her whole weird, whatever's going on with her roommate. Um, it's just because she hasn't gotten laid by a guy recently. Um, definitely. Yeah, that's definitely all that's happening. Um, <laughs> it's a very normal heterosexual thing to experience when you don't have <laughs> sex with a guy is to get really horny about a girl. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, when Nana spends the day at Disneyland with Misato without even inviting Hachi, um, and then it also seems like, uh, you know, when they get back from Disneyland, that Misato is once again going to spend the night there. Hachi snaps at Nana, um, which Nana sort of reacts with this, like, almost childhood sense of shame um, and just, like, silently leaves uh, with Misato. Chapter 11. After leaving the apartment with Misato in a huff and spending the night at a hotel, Nana goes to see Yasu, seemingly wanting sex but leaves when he doesn't play along. She returns uh, home to room 707, where she is surprised at Hachi's heartfelt apology. Uh, although Nana, uh, for her part, says, you know, you were right. Um, I wasn't, I probably wasn't behaving the best. Uh, Hachi goes out of her way to also call Misato to apologize. Uh and in, invites, encourages Misato to, to come back um, later and spend more time in Tokyo with, with the band, with Nana. Uh, and in the course of this conversation, Misato uh, casually mentions that Ren used to be in Blast, uh, which uh, this becomes the uh, the moment in which Hachi learns that Ren Hanjo was, <laughs> was part of Blast. Uh which uh, is, is quite a surprise to her. Uh, Hachi then talks with Nobu and Shin and learns the full story uh, of Ren leaving Blast, including the breakup of Ren and Nana, and regrets unwittingly hurting Nana by talking about Ren and Trapness so much. Uh, she concludes that's why Nana didn't agree to go to the Trapness concert with her. Uh, and just as she's concluding this, uh, she is surprised when Nana suddenly says that she will go, in fact, um, and uh, which sets Hachi off on fantasizing about a tearful storybook reunion between Nana and Ren at the, the Trap Nest concert in Nana's hometown or uh, Hachi's hometown. Yeah. Um, I was realizing I, I don't think that uh, Hachi will go see Nana's hometown until like the the very end like chapter you you know volume like 2021 yeah yeah um yeah. Or, we we know when it happens yes yeah <laughs> i, know exa- I, I was like exactly I, I think that 
I'm I'm positive that's like the first time that Hachi sees Nana's yeah. hometown. Um then uh chapter twelve. On the day of the show, Hachi takes Nana home to meet her family. Um it's it's very straight girl stuff over here. Uh Nana finally opens up some more with Hachi about herself. Um and also sort of apologizes for being closed off and, and not realizing that, uh, you know, Hachi kind of wanted to, to know more, wanted to be, you know, closer friends. Um, then uh, when Hachi reveals that she knows uh, about Nana's past with Ren, um, Nana sort of seems that like, you know, has some sort of conflicted feeling at first, but then does thank Hachi for still bringing her to the concert, uh, mm-hmm. even though she knew that. Um, at the concert, Nana lingers, uh, sort of outside in the, the waiting room after everyone's gone in, um, but goes in at the, the last minute to see Trapness take the stage and cries as she watches Ren play. Um, also, Hachi yeah. holds Nana's hand and thinks about how she doesn't want to hold anyone's hand ever again, uh, other than Nana's, but yeah, <laughs> we'll get yeah. to that. We'll talk about that. <laughs> Street girl stuff. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, I mean, we, we can like start breaking down stuff more specifically. Um, but just before we do that, to take like a slightly broader view, uh, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is like very clearly Hachi has this uh, homoromantic and at times like homosexual attraction towards Nana. Um, the, the sexual part comes up like really in only like a couple small instances um throughout but uh is definitely present there or you know something that she's feeling and then sort of like brushing off as uh not real um but also we'll we'll break down all the ways that there's like a clear romantic attraction that hot mm-hmm. having towards nana throughout these chapters um we do end with with nana sort of finally starting to open up to hachi uh and i and i do think that throughout this like um nana's not I don't think having quite that same, like, uh, feeling back towards Hachi. Um, and it is starting to get to this point where that might be something that she's, like, able to, like, engage with more. Like, the the going home to see Hachi's parents feels like, to some way, in some way, like, a little bit of that. But we're about to, and we'll, we'll get to it next time, but, like... Chapter 13 is about to throw a bit of a wrench in terms of Nana having, like, just the space to interact with Hachi in that way. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll obviously talk about more of that stuff right now, but, or when we get to that uh, next time. But, um, but yeah, Yeah. I I think that's, like, part of the dynamic here as well is that, like, uh, even at this point, Nana is still so, um, like wrapped up in these feelings that she has around Ren that she's not like quite, I think open in that same way in the way that, that Hachi is, but we we can start breaking down more specific chapters. Yeah. And I guess to, uh, to add to what you're saying, um, we, we learn a lot more, of, uh, about the homo romantic or, uh, homoerotic dimensions they're they're deepening uh in nana and Hutch's relationship through these chapters and i think we also get to see 
um, the the ways that they're, they're manifesting a little bit differently. Um, so again, not to jump the gun, um, but Hachi uh, is is conscious of them, um, and now the way that she then rationalizes or um, interprets them for herself uh, becomes this dismissive uh, these these uh, ver- like series of dismissals uh, yeah but she's conscious of the feeling <laughs> uh, and of uh, the possibility and is actively thinking about it whereas, with Nana, we don't see her uh, seeming to to weigh the the same considerations consciously, uh, but we see her. Another thing that happens in this in these chapters is we see how we learn more of what Nana needs, uh, like her emotional needs. Um, and within that, her like sexual needs, um, and how she seeks the type of affection um, and intimacy that she's seeking out, um, and then the the channels that she's like tr- the way she's trying to realize that, um, and it's interesting to observe the uh, where Hachi fits into that, um, and how Hachi like takes a central role in that framework even as uh, Nana is not really, you know, we don't get her internal dialogue about like, Oh, could I'm attract, I'm attracted to Hachi or Hachi's attracted to me. Um, we don't get that, but we see, we see that things are happening there as well. Um, yeah. It's just pr- what we see is different, um, but we're seeing different angles on, uh, I think both of them, uh, ha- on th- these like feelings and uh, desires manifesting in both of them. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we'll get to, to like details of this as we go, but uh, we're also seeing one that Nana has this like uh, growing impulse to take care of Hachi. Um, and sometimes it is like a couch than this, like, um, you know, the, I-, I will get you that house someday. It's like, it'll be a dog house joke right you know but like there's that we'll we'll get to all the stuff in the like aftermath of um the breakup with shoji and the way that like nana is stepping into taking care of hachi in various ways um but then we also i think see like an increased sense of of safety that nana is feeling with hachi that is like that first step that would even enable nana to like i i think be able to feel or um, be aware of like these other impulses or feelings that she has towards towards Hachi. Uh, just speaking as someone who also has like neglect trauma stuff in the way that I think Nana does, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I identify a lot with Nana. Um, there is a certain like hurdle with people that I have to get over to feel like safe and comfortable in in certain ways to to just be open about things, um, or to like have a connection with people. Um, 
you know, to to yeah. be uh, slightly more because this is a podcast and it weirdly gives me like extra space to be open, even though I know the strangers listen to this. Um, I identify as demisexual and there are times when I'm like, is, is some of that like demisexual being a thing of like, I, I don't feel sexual attraction towards people unless I have like some sort of emotional closeness to that person. Um, I've only ever felt like, you know, other types of attraction, when someone is like somebody who I'm friends with, I, I was friends with Emily for like a year before we started dating stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, that's like a way that I've just always sort of experienced attraction, but like increasingly um, as well. Like at, it was slightly different when I was like in high school, but I think I was still sort of going through various neglect trauma stuff at the time. Um, and so there's also a part of me that's like, am I demisexual because I just have this like trauma thing where I, I am not going to be open to any of those sorts of feelings or emotions or thoughts until I have some sort of sense of safety with someone. Um, and then once that's there, once I'm friends with someone and have that sense of safety, then I'm like open to those other things. Um, and I think there's ways that like, we'll, we'll talk about the ways that Nana, I think is similar to that, but also I think, uh, has her own differences. Yeah. Um, and, um, one of the things that, now this, this may seem like an obvious, uh, statement. Um, but one of the things that, that I would highlight, uh, is the degree to which the, the characters in Nana, we've talked about the, this, depth of characterization um, and the psychological depth. Uh, But the characters in Nana really, um, they're not finished products when we receive them. Um, So there's a great deal of uh, subtlety and um, change in uh, the character portrayals. And I think we, you see, uh, Again, a lot about Nana uh, that is unfurled in these chapters. It's done very subtly, uh, but part of that um, is, I, I think, beginning to uh, demonstrate what, what you're talking about with her, um, where the way that she's... Uh, at like experiencing and then acting on her sexuality um, seems to be uh, it's something that she's struggling with um, throughout the uh, throughout the manga really uh, but especially here um, there are like I think you can see clear steps um, that are happening primarily with Hachi um, but also just, uh, in, uh, with Yasu as well. Um, this is part of like one of the big things that I think is happening with Yasu, uh, his emergence here, um, and these chapters as well. Um, you start to see like Nana has a, uh, a kind of sexual relationship or, uh, this attraction, with Yasu, and then it's juxtaposed with this uh, 
attraction or like unfulfilled sexual relationship um with hachi um in the array of like uh nana and yasu and then nana and hachi uh helps us learn a lot more about about nana and just how like what these conditions seem to be uh for her to like be able to express and uh, access uh, certain like types of feelings. Yeah. Um, let's, let's start doing chapter by chapter breakdown. Um, yeah. b- before that, I want to say one thing real quick. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that's a slightly inflammatory thing, but is also a thing that just like, if this alienates some listeners, it's it's fine. I, I felt it very strongly reading these chapters. Um, and also seeing, like, stuff from later, because I follow multiple accounts that just, like, tweet panels and stuff from Nana or, like, you know, official art or fan art or whatever. Because uh, I'm just this person and I think about Nana constantly. Um, and so uh, there are some also ones from, like, later on that I was seeing while I was also reading these chapters. Um, and I had this moment cause sometimes when I'm thinking like ab- abstractly about Nana, the manga, um, I'm like, I guess I can see, like, I think people are wrong when they say it's Yuri baiting, but I like can see sometimes where they're coming from. But I was just like in these chapters and I was also seeing some of the other images from later on. And I just had this very, like, no, I think if people like think that this is Yuri baiting, one, they probably aren't reading the the text close enough. But two, I think there's like a an, an inherent biphobia in the that reaction to it. There's a a way of being like, well, even though there's like so much of this stuff that's about the relationship between these two girls, um, Hachi's like still boy crazy and wants to go out, have sex with boys, and like Nana has sex with boys, so it's not gay or whatever. And I, I think that that's just a fundamentally like biphobic. Uh, idea to have about stories that like because these characters sometimes have sex with men they can't also have like a uh, same-sex attraction to each other but anyway <laughs> yeah um if that if that alienates people i i don't entirely care because <laughs> <laughs> well sometimes... i just think it's biphobic to just think that this is yuri baiting because uh hachi can be boy crazy sometimes <laughs> yeah it's 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 way it's way too narrow um yeah and uh yeah i mean there are times when we go into a ghost divers project where one of us has a <laughs> like has a very strong conviction yeah. has a like an argument that we want to make <laughs> uh and that's like our hobby horse for that that project um and uh that's that's great because it's like you know you have the a weight of emotion behind that um, and I've just known that, like, part of our Nana project is, like, you, like, and I mean, I, of course, I agree with you because we've discussed yeah. this. Uh, but you really, like, this is your the platform for you to, like, fully make the case, like, destroy the argument <laughs> uh, that Nana is your evading. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't think it's inflammatory at all. That's the project. <laughs> I think that has yeah. that is that's fairly clear uh, already that this is our stance. Um, yeah. So, 
So anyway, uh, yeah. first page of chapter seven, which we kind of talked about a, a little bit last time, but I think it is actually part of chapter seven. It's just like there, I think there were times where there was like a page or two before they actually got to the, the part that said like chapter, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's the page where Hachi is saying in the like voiceover from the, the future, uh, now I digress, but bear with me. No matter what anyone said, when I was young, I dreamt of being, being a beautiful bride. It was the only thing I ever wanted to be. And I want to like the, now I digress, but bear with me feels significant towards this point as well, because there is a way that like, you know, in the previous chapters, we've got like, oh, Shoji wants to marry Hachi someday. Um, we just learned that this is like a dowry or we're about to, you know, there's like these ways that like, oh, it, it would make sense if you're telling a normal like story about, you know, this relationship that that Hachi had with Shoji that you would bring in that she wants to be a beautiful bride yeah. um, someday. The digression it being a digression feels significant if what you are saying, what the whole this whole framing from the future is, is I am trying to talk about and work through and like, you know, uh, have like a, a way of going through. I'm looking back on my past and this like relationship that I had with this woman. And I want to bring in here. One of the complicating factors was that I dreamt of being a beautiful bride someday. That mm -hmm. that was like a thing that I I really wanted, and that is a digression from I'm talking about this relationship that I had with this woman. That is uh, not that. Yes, but that you need to bear with me because it is important to know that that's something that I really wanted in order for you to understand why I was the way that I was back then, um, why I I still thought so much that like my life was to be a beautiful bride who would marry a husband and be a housewife or whatever. Um, you know, and he would buy the house for me. Um, so, yeah. and also, um, the irony, um, because the location of, of Hachi in time, the chronological location of these lines, mm. um, is of course, after she has been, be <laughs> been married, uh, yeah. she gets married to Takumi, um, and she becomes the be the beautiful bride and realizes this dream, um, and now is, uh, in the future at a point past ha having realized that dream, um, and of course that was that's not actually what she wants. Um, yeah. and, and then in fact, when we get to that, like images of that future, it is she. She wants a divorce or is thinking about a divorce. And also it will specifically be framed as, and if Nana returns to me, I am going to get that divorce. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so anyway. <laughs> the um, I'll just tie this in before you move on. I'll tie it in really quick um, to uh, uh, a major theme that comes up as well uh, in, in the chapters we're covering, um, which is, the theme of uh, dreams or aspirations. Um, we will see over and over again in Nana uh, characters having dreams, aspirations for their future. Um, and uh, pr pursuing, pursuing them. Um, and then this tying back into the, to the theme of identity 
Um, but I think one of the things that is at stake here is the way the power of aspiration um, and the way that your dream can become part of your of identity, uh, part of how you constitute your identity, um, a way to create a life for yourself um, that somehow breaks from convention or inertia. Um, and this kind of redemptive, uh, this redemptive powerful thing um, that can exert this positive, uh, positive force um, in you actually um, self-actualizing um, and uh, creating a life for yourself. Um, so there's that, uh, but we'll also see <laughs> uh, in a very interesting um, treatment of this and a kind of um, interesting mixture of tones um, that this exact idea is also deeply interrogated. Um, and uh, charged with a lot of anxiety <laughs> uh, throughout uh, throughout the manga. Um, to it often in the sense of uh, in the same way that these things can have uh, that this is something that's very powerful. Um, and so it can be a double-edged sword. Um, it can equally be something that uh, you use that you can betray yourself with or destroy yourself with. Um, and uh, so we'll, we'll see that uh, as, as we go on, but I just, uh, that also is happening here, I think. Yeah. Um, do we do we have other big stuff we want to talk about in this chapter? Um, um, I mean, there's like the end that I want to talk about a little. Um, <clears throat> we do also I, yeah. get like uh, Nana, you know, kissing Yasu, um, falling asleep in his arms. Yeah, the Yasu stuff we'll definitely talk about, uh, but there will be occasions for that later. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've got stuff with Shoji and Sachiko. Um, yeah. As much... <laughs> just a few hours ago, I was like, <laughs> you know what? We were so dismissive of Shoji last time. Yeah. Tonight, we're going to do him justice. Uh, we're really going <laughs> to... <laughs> what really you're saying gonna... is no we're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh and I, I don't I don't know if we are. Uh we'll we'll post mortem it when we get to that uh that scene. Yeah. Uh, um so yeah, I mean Yasu shows up, um Nana kisses Yasu and is um you flirting with him, uh and then he doesn't stay. Uh Hachi thinks, oh, well, there's something going on. Uh, they have a sexual relationship. Um, but then, uh, you know, nothing happens and Hachi's confused. Um, and Hachi's like, no, Yasu, you should stay. Why, why aren't you staying? And he's like, well, it's not a good idea. Uh, so maybe this is a, a moment we can bear in mind as we, <laughs> uh, try to understand their relationship with, uh, 
some more material later. Yeah. Um, I guess one note to bring in here, which is like the final reveal of the last chapter we read. Um, we'll get throughout here that like nobody's heard from Ren since. Uh, we do learn that Yasu and Ren are in contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you and know, we'll learn a lot more about that relationship yeah. in later volumes. Um, which is maybe not the only part, but is probably uh, a piece of why it's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is that <laughs> definitely Yasu has a more complete idea of like where Ren's at as well on mm. all of this. Um, so then, yeah. you know, we move on. Uh, Hachi gets her job. Uh, we have Shoji, and then we get into like the Shoji and Sachiko stuff. Um, yeah. Where. Junko and Kyosuke get involved. Um, it becomes more clear that that this is really a problem. Um, Junko tells Shoji break it off. Uh, Shoji is struggling with that. Um, you know, he's telling himself that he he still wants to be with Nana, um, but it's clear that he's gravitating to Sachiko. Um, and so we have a lot of Shoji dealing with that, this angst, <laughs> uh, we have some great angsty Shoji scenes, uh, yeah. such as when he's in Jackson hole, he's really, uh, he's really losing his grip in Jackson hole. He's just like uh, shouting. No. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> Koichi Sato's like, what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, he just walks in the bar and he's like, no. <laughs> um, I'm going to work. <laughs> it's like, uh, you just sat down. You did. Can I get you something? Um, um, I'm going to lie in the same grave as Nana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, Shoji just like. Shoji's struggling. We'll just say that. Yeah. Um, eventually, yeah. Uh, we know we know how this is going to resolve. Yeah. Um, I mean, we also keep getting this, like, he's determined to break it off with Sachiko, um, but then he keeps seeing her and then making the other choice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> which, again, we'll, we'll not get, to... Yeah, we'll get some paralleling with this later. Yeah, yeah, we won't preempt our postmortem here, um, yeah. so we can just kind of safely skip over. Um, um, but then the 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 other thing I wanted to to point out. So this is where we get like Hachi talking about her dream of a house with a yard. Um, you know, Nana says uh, that's your dream house square, um, and then you know it's like yeah, it's what I've always wanted. Uh, and then she says, so let me make the money for you <clears throat> with my voice, but your room's going to be in the doghouse. Um, and then we get the like, you know, shoujo romance panel of smiling Nana. Uh, I swear if Nana were a guy, she'd be the love of my life. That's what I thought back then. Um, which implies that there's something wrong about that statement. You could read it as she'd be the love of my life. But we know the the arc of this manga. The uh-huh. thing is, I swear if Nana were a guy clause. then. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
And then we also get the the next page, which is in this moment of, you know, Nana promising to to get a house for Hachi someday. Um, and this idea of like, oh, she she would be the love of my life. If only she were a guy. Uh, we also get Hachi having sex with Sachiko. Um, mm. It's like next page, same moment. Um, or uh, Sh- Shoji having sex. Yeah, with Shoji having sex with Sachiko. What did I say? I don't even know. You said Hachi having sex with no. Sachiko. <laughs> that's your that's your fanfic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> jumping the gun a, a little. Don't don't get it mixed uh, up. Yeah. Um, and then the the additional, but then I wouldn't have uh, experienced such happy times and memories. Love and pain are inseparable. It's more painful as you drown in it. Um, and I and I think this is also. I mean, again, knowing the arc of the manga, we are going to get like, I think the awareness of the love that the the two, like that Nana and Hachi have for each other grow. And also it is going to become like, there's going to be more pain in that relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. It is going to become a more intense thing. And so I think also in, in this like page, there's this certain acknowledgement that like, Right now, there is a happy comfort in what Nana and Hachi have, and some of it is like the unawareness. The they, it hasn't gotten deep enough yet. It's like the those early stages, right? Um, and things are going to become painful, uh, but then there's also sort of these happy times and memories from that. But also, like when the manga is going to move into more painful and dark territory. It's also because it is moving into like a deeper love. I think is part of what what is being said here. Yeah, um, um, I, I'm glad you stop. You paused here uh, on this uh, quotation because even uh, l- looking at it more broadly uh, and not just um, through the lens of um, Hachi and Nana, uh, but this is presenting a, a certain vision of human relationships that I think it's is worth noting um, as we think more, uh, as we see more and then talk more about the ma- the manga itself, uh, this, the total vision that it's presenting of, of human relationships. Um, it, I guess the, the thing I'll say now uh towards that is um in the same way that I was presenting the the treatment of the the idea of like dreams and aspirations um the manga's vision of human relationships is um I think it, it's deeply humane and empathetic um but it also is is honest about uh the the darker dimensions uh of uh of this closeness um and it takes very seriously uh the gravity of of human relationships um and and one of the things that is being uh, suggested here is the way that if you if you love somebody uh that entails a level of uh, immense vulnerability, um, such that someone that you're in love with or have like a close romantic relationship with, uh, could destroy your life (laughs) at any time. 
Um, yeah. And uh, that is just a uh, a duality that exists um, in any in any close relationship. Uh, that there's this extreme level of vulnerability, um, and then perhaps uh, it's even going one one step further here and saying that um, this is not just a possibility that may or may not occur. It's a possibility that will occur. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and that this is just part of uh, how human relationships need to be understood. Well, and um, also, like, to, to temper that a little bit, too, this is also Hachi speaking from a future where she has this understanding of like the love that she has for Nana and uh, you know, we'll get to it when we get to it. We don't like get the actual instance, uh, the actual incident that makes Nana like run away entirely. Um, But that is a thing that has happened. Like Hachi is searching for Nana. Um, It is probably in this moment of like, is thinking about, the past and having all of these, these like happy memories, especially thinking about like early on when they were first meeting. Um, but it's also from a point where she's probably more drowning in like the pain of that love. Um, yeah. that she's like very aware that she loves this person and Nana's not there. Um, so I think that's also part of, you know, to, to slightly temper, like, this is is still a subjective opinion about what love is, and it is the subjective opinion of like somebody a character who, at a certain point. Yeah, a character who is at a certain point of, I think, feeling this intensity of the pain, and feeling it like probably more intensely than like the cheating here. <laughs> you know, yeah. This is the thing in the past. Um, yes. This is framed um, more as such happy times and memories. <laughs> Uh, um, you know, Nana telling me she'd buy me a house someday. Yeah. Uh, but we also see, um, and, and not to, to give the wrong impression and, um, in what I said earlier, uh, I don't think what's being suggested is that like, uh, you know, trust is always fated to be betrayed or something like that. Uh, but that just, um, you know, even, uh, in a, a totally healthy, uh, fulfilling relationship, um, you still have this uh, moment where, if, for instance, if the other person dies, um, which this uh, <laughs> becomes an explicit uh, occurrence here in Nana, uh, and kind of we're, the, we're far enough in. Ren dies. We're spoiling yeah. other stuff from the end. Ren dies. Yeah. <laughs> If right. you don't Ren, know that, Ren, <laughs> yeah, Ren dies, uh, yeah. and there's there's more pain. Uh, Nana and Ren hurt each other in, in other ways before that happens too. Uh, but even in this kind of idealized, um, you know, perfect relationship, um, you're still there's still going to be some suffering uh, when the other person dies, um, or you, you lose them somehow. Um, which that part is inevitable. Um, and so there's an inevitability to this, to pain, um, in, in love that, uh, you know, at the extreme positive end still exists. Um, but then of course, uh, 
at all the stages before <laughs> before reaching that uh, idealized version, uh, the messier uh, realities of of human life um, is con is constantly manifesting as well. Um, so there is a kind of uh, I, I think you you're right to to that the more oppressing reading of this is the um the immediate context and the framing and the character framing and all that um but i think it's also these are this is a statement that carries weight as a uh, a general like pronouncement um for consideration uh like throughout the whole the whole story yeah um do you want to talk about uh chapter eight here yeah uh <laughs> no matter what we do we we always we always linger on the early part of <laughs> of our material yeah um, it's fine so yeah i mean we go back uh again you know shoji's talking with kiyosuke uh about how he's cheating on Nana. Kiyosuke is, um, they're exchanging views on that. Yeah. Uh, it's 420. Blaze it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 420. <laughs> um, yeah. For, for, uh, Shoji is the one person for whom 420 is not a good, not a good day, apparently. Yeah. Um, so and then uh you know we get Shoji and Hachi meeting up for dinner. This is a, a strained meeting. You can feel how yeah. far apart they are. They've really drifted far apart. Um, um one thing I wanted to point out in this meeting uh is specifically um Shoji pointing out that Hachi seems to have become more like Nana. Um mm-hmm. And and some of it is like her just speaking her mind more, you know, um, like complaining about the job that she doesn't like, that kind of thing. Um, but also we we know that there's like a certain way that uh, Hachi will take on the aspects of the, the the person who she's interested in. You know, this is played for laughs in volume one, but mm-hmm. um, but there's there. also a way in which. Here it feels a little bit less superficial and more. She's becoming more like Nana, and that means she's more like able to speak about the things that she actually wants to talk about, uh, or that she like wants to complain about. Um, yeah, the the likeness to Nana being uh, a a thing that somehow allows her to uh, to actually express herself uh, yeah. and her own feelings, uh, um, and that in- Shoji almost views as like a negative. Um, you know, you're just so aggressive. You must have caught it from your roommate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course him, he, he has some level of awareness that uh, maybe not understanding that the true depth of the relationship between Nana and Hachi at this point. Um, but he, he has anxiety and, and awareness of uh, Hachi's increasing closeness with Nana. Um, yeah. So there's that kind of projection there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this, this is, uh, this is a good scene and it actually is quite sad. Um, what's happening here is the classic case of 
what in couples counseling they would call uh, turning away and not turning towards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shoji and, uh, and Hachi are turning away from one another uh, rather than towards one another. But that's okay because uh, they're, this is a situation where this is probably organically working out uh, for the best. Yeah, because both of them are turning towards somebody else. Yeah, someone else who they they clearly want to be with more. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have Hachi at her job. Um, the thing that I would say about this, uh, Nana, the manga, is uh, conscious of uh, the realities of labor. It's not really uh, presented in this like explicitly polemical way, um, but it is. Uh, I would say it is a theme of the uh, the manga uh, in the way that uh, the capitalist system um, and labor within that system, uh, how it becomes part of your life. Uh, and how it structures your life and restricts you, um, the need for money, um, and then having to work a job, uh, the way the conditions of these jobs um, affect people. Uh, yeah. we, we've seen this with the Aussie even, too. Even to some way, like, uh, limit the, the people who you are able to be in contact with. Um, like obviously Shoji and Sachiko Shoji. meet because they they work together. Um yeah. but then we'll we'll also get a thing about how like Hachi specifically took this job thinking that she would have weekends off, which she didn't. Uh being like, well then I will be able to spend more time with Shoji if I, you know, have a schedule that will more match his. Um Yeah. Uh so I I don't know if there's too much to to linger on there, uh, but that will be. It's we could just like uh, note <laughs> the appearance of this theme because again, like all the others, it will it's going to come back. Um, we have Hachi coming home dejected after her horrible job, uh, and then uh, notably um, becoming like overcome with joy. Uh, completely turning it around uh, when she finds out that Nana, uh, that Blast has booked a show, their first show in Tokyo. Um, so uh, I think this is a scene where we, we see the power uh, not only of uh, Hachi and Nana's relationship and then what that's doing, <laughs> uh, but also uh the power of Nana's dream uh, being this thing that um, we mentioned it once already, uh, but she's going to use her dream to, uh, to buy Hachi a house. Uh, it's something that it's not only about artistry, uh, but it's something that's going to um, allow Nana to make money uh, and, and to, uh, fulfill these like material needs um 
and and break out of this like uh well <laughs> quote unquote <laughs> uh break out of this uh you know abjected uh these abjected forms of, of labor or whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the way that the revelation of, of blast show like instantly wipes away, uh, the woes of the working day, <laughs> uh, for Hachi, um, because there's this excitement. Um, I think there, there's seeds of that here. Um, of course, later we'll find out that it's not that simple. Uh, and that becoming a big, uh, making it big with your band and, and making enough money to buy a house, uh, doesn't quite save you from, uh, the horrors of, (laughs) of, uh, 20th, 21st century capitalism. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to note while we're, while we're on this, like, series of pages of Hachi coming home and, you know, uh, Nana's smile that is too bright, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, blinding her. Um, but we get the page of like, you know, after Nana says we got a show, basically, um, there's Hachi's like surprise, uh, you know, Nana and Hachi smiling. Um, and then we've get, we've got the shot of the table with the chairs, um, and the, the window as well. Um, which, you know, this is a key important spot. We've, we see like, here's blast, um, with, of course, Hachi. I think this is, it's very similar to, if not the same, uh, it's very similar to the, um, the image at the end of chapter six. Yeah. That we talked about before. Um, so yeah, there, there's like sort of a similarity there. Um, yeah, it, it is a bit different. Uh, cause there's like the hugging and stuff, but you know, it's, it's a very similar angle of the, the, uh, table for sure. Um, you know, the characters are posed slightly differently, but, um, very similar energy. Um, and then we, we get on the next page, like sort of uh, over the shoulder, over Nana's shoulder, uh, you know, Nana hugging Hachi who, um, you know, eyes closed, like with happiness, like almost looks like there's maybe a tear of happiness. Um, but then in like the, the dark fabric of Nana's, uh, I think it's, yeah, she's got like a jacket on here. Um, or maybe a, uh, open like button up shirt. Um, we get the, like, here's the, the Tama river, um, that's nearby where they live that you would like see if you looked out that window with the mm-hmm. moon, um, and I, I just want to emphasize this specifically because the moon is going to be another recurring image sort of around a spe- uh, specifically their relationship. Um, yeah. And we've gotten that a couple of times already, as I recall. Uh, yeah. At key moments, the, the moon over the, um, the river. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's specifically being like framed within, uh, their hug here. Uh, it'll come a, a, up again at the end of this chapter. Uh, basically that same image, but that is, uh, that night, if not, I hadn't been there for me, I would have thrown myself into the Tama river. I'm sure of that. Yeah. Um, uh, that cuts, we have a, a nice cut here. Uh, the kind of, uh, graphic match, <laughs> uh, 
where we pan to the same moon over uh, Shoji's apartment building. We've got the scene with uh, yeah. Shoji. Or I think and it's Sachiko's apartment, but yeah. Oh, Sachiko. Um, so we've got Shoji and Sachiko continuing to get closer. Uh, Shoji, I mean, this is progressing. Um, Nana calls him and, and he's like disengaged. Uh, he's made the choice to uh, celebrate Sachiko's birthday instead of go uh, go to Nana's show. Um, so they're uh, dr- drifting farther apart. Um, we go to Junko and Kyosuke. Um, uh, before we get there, one thing I wanted to quick note that I noticed this time, which is, so uh, Sachiko's birthday is on Children's Day. Um, and, you know, saying, we'll celebrate your birthday together on Children's Day. Um, and Shoji says, let's throw beans out uh, on Children's Day together. Uh, and Sachiko says, that's for Satsubun Shoji. And there's a little note here. Uh, the annual Satsubun festival includes a ritual of throwing beans around the house. This is done to ward off any pesky demons that might be hanging around. Uh, this time in particular, I was struck by warding off any pesky demons that might be hanging around Hachi and the Demon Lord. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Because <laughs> um, uh, in particular, which... Shoji will continue to sort of uh, throughout these chapters, like have the demon lord stuff that goes with with Hachi. Even though I feel like with Nana, that's been moving away. She's like not talking as much about the demon lord. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, Shoji is very successfully uh, warding off <laughs> Hachi here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or they're they're warding each other off. Uh, so. Yeah, there's a, a cheekiness to this, <laughs> uh, to this di- exchange, uh, which is which is good. Um, yeah, then we get Junko and Kyosuke. They're processing the the they're having this dawning realization that the Shoji and uh, Hachi's relationship is is falling apart. Um. Then uh, we get this kind of climactic uh, moment <laughs> uh, at the restaurant, uh, where culminating in the um, the scene that you quoted. Uh, if Nana hadn't been there for me, I would have thrown myself into the river. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to go ahead and just uh, get to the end, so we can kind of uh, of this scene, so we can. Um, talk about the whole thing. Um, yeah, I I guess the one thing I, I want to highlight before we move on to like the next chapter and talk about all of it um, is sort of the, the aside here, because Shin's about to, to exit and we can talk about it uh, the start of next chapter too. Um, but there's a way that like Shin is basically talking about doing male sex work for, for women. Um but there, in particular, like, Hachi doesn't really understand. We'll, we'll get where she's, like, giving advice about, like, you need to treat your girlfriend right, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and we get, I, I think it might be um, the beginning of Chapter 9, uh, where Nana is going to say, 
uh, don't do anything that will give the band a bad rep. Um, mm-hmm. Nana seems to be a little bit more aware of what's happening, but as we've talked about, she has this like, um, you know, it's kind of fine. Just do whatever you want. Like I had a rough childhood too. Just don't get the band in trouble. That's the important thing. Like, don't, I, I don't want this to be a problem for me <laughs> basically. Um, yeah. whereas Hachi yeah, has, which... this, continues to have this obliviousness around like, you know, Shin seeing a normal girlfriend, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, also in th- this conversation, we get, uh, homosexuality getting figured again as a joke to some degree, um, where, uh, you know, it, is Shin like making out with Nobu? <laughs> Shin's surprised. Does Nobu swing that way? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and Hachi's very ridiculous expression. Like, yeah. wow, really? <laughs> uh, um, so she's there is so, some comedy she's, in she's this. She's so excited, excited about maybe knowing a gay person. <laughs> uh, honey, it's you. The call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Shin is like, dude, I'm straight. And then it's just the disappointed ellipsis Yeah, uh, from Hachi, where she's so disappointed that she doesn't have a gay friend. Yeah. Again, the call's coming from inside the house. But anyway, do, yeah. do we want to talk more about Chapter 9 and all of this? Um, um yeah, the Shin thing, uh, there, there is that uh, divergence in how Nana and Hachi respond initially here, uh, and that will evolve, that will evolve. Um, yeah, but it's notable that Hachi is the one who uh, is is showing the concern um, and probing uh, for more. Um, information. And so Nando is the one who asks, like, who are you making out with? But uh, then Hachi's going on to to be like, oh, so, you know, where are you living? You look super skinny. Is something wrong? Um, <clears throat> and then later she'll she'll push again uh, with, with Shin, trying to figure out what's going on with him and, and trying to make sure he's okay. Uh, whereas Nana, uh, as you pointed out, uh, makes this unfortunate comment uh do whatever you want but just don't give the band a bad rap uh which if you're reading through for the first time you don't you don't notice too much <laughs> but uh rereading of course you notice uh <laughs> uh immediately uh because this the sentiment will come back uh tragically later on yeah um but yeah there is still this like hachi not fully grasping what's happening so we get the Mm -hmm. keep it real with her girlfriends you'll uh or you'll get hurt especially if you keep mooching because she's thinking of it as like mooching off of these women rather than uh what we will know is probably what's happening which is more of like a sex work thing yeah um and, uh, you know, Shin's like, yeah, I'll be careful. Um, and then I promise, like, Ooh, that's over. And, and Nana's <laughs> Nana, who knows more, I think, is more aware of what's actually happening. It's like, what's over? Nothing's changed. What kind of advice is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hachi being uh, having this concern, but being naive. And then the yeah. 
kind of the inverse uh, with Nana. Um, not naive, but not uh, not concerned enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, we get the the waiting for Shoji. I love the the two page spread of two different panels that are. Uh, slightly different. There are differences here, but are, are like basically the same of just Hachi throwing herself onto Nana's back being like, don't leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I did note the line. I hate that manipulative crap. Um, yeah. So we're in volume four now. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the whole discussion, uh, Maybe we can just kind of go through it. Um, so uh, Hachi is. So she wants to wait. I would say, I, I think it's fair to say that she's confused um, at this point about what she wants. Um, she's doing in a way the same thing that Shoji's been doing, which is telling herself that she's committed uh, to this relationship. Um, she hasn't quite realized that she just is disengaging. Um, yeah. So, um, she's trying to take Junko's advice. Junko's like, "Well, show him you care." Um, and and she's like all all twisted up uh, about how to do that <laughs> uh, because maybe she doesn't uh, really care that much, uh, so she can't just. Uh, just trying to figure out, oh, what what would be the right way to show that if I <laughs> if I did feel this way. Um, so she's waiting. Um, yeah, she has this idea of like, well, so he said that like he would come over later tonight when he gets off work. Um, and so Nana has this like, well, either like go back in if you just want to wait for him. Or just go home and he's going to come over. Like, yeah, you know, if, if you're going to wait, then just like wait inside. It's like cold out here. Um, and just let him know that you're waiting. Uh, like you could just let him know right now. Um, but then Hachi's like, well, no, he, he's like told me to leave. So I don't want to like go in there and like be a bother in that way. Um, and I don't want to just go I want to home because I want to do this like big surprise and that'll be a way that I'm sure that I care uh, that I waited outside for him to get off work so that we could go, you know, home together or whatever. Um, I am still desperate for you to be with me for all of this, uh, uh-huh. but <laughs> don't leave. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm holding you back from walking away. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, and then Nana kind of calling Hachi out of like, you know, this is manipulative uh, and pointless. Yeah. Um, um, I think w- one thing here being uh, a continuation of this dynamic where in her way, Hachi is trying to think about Shoji. Uh, she's overly concerned with like, oh, well, if I'm inside the restaurant, I'm going to be... Uh, looking like a, a stalker and, and kind of and interfering. Um, but I'm sure he would be really impressed if I did X, Y, and Z. Um, and then trying to create these scenarios, um, but out of a kind of 
uh, this focus on the other person's feelings. Um, and then Nana kind of giving the reality check of like, uh, this is just a whole lot of uh, projection. And in that, uh, it, it actually is becoming manipulative. Yeah. Um, we will, as we, we go on, get into the ways that, uh, despite proclaiming that she hates that manipulative crap, Nana will do that manipulative crap too. But yeah, um, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so uh, we get the, the jacket scene. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is also uh, significant for and it's it's sort of like a like Hachi's not really wearing what she has on as like a, a scarf it's more like a, a sort of shawl thing she has like more around her arms uh, but it there is this like and it's small it's like a small moment but we do get the Hachi reaching out the hand with the scarf and um, Nana taking it and sort of like pulling it over her shoulder that is evocative of the scarf from Ren. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't want to point out these, the, yeah, the scarf here. Another one of these shoujo love scene moments. Yeah. With the, uh, the, the sparkles in the background. Gaze. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the expectant eyes, longing gaze. Uh, it, we have the the bottom left panel from obviously from Hachi's perspective of Nana looking really cool, uh, and uh, you're really cool and hot as she's putting the scarf on. Yeah. Uh, and um, then the the first panel of the following page as well, uh, where Hachi's face is obscured because the we're given to understand the emotion is just so intense. Um, by not seeing her, her face in this moment. Um, and then her, her meditating on uh, Nana's eyes were so clear. Um, I was listening to some song Nana was singing real quietly. Uh, so she's deeply fixated on, on Nana in this moment. Yeah. Um. There was a moment here, too, because they were talking about, like, hometowns and stuff, uh, that I, I looked at a map of Japan and train lines, thinking about that, because we'll, we never get the names of the hometowns, and they're sort of uh, generalized, purposefully. Um, but we do have some details about their hometowns. We know that uh, Nana's is, like, on the, the coast. There's, like, you know, the water break. Um, where <clears throat> and it's up north, city. yeah, and it's up north where it's snowy, which is probably in like Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's various small towns sort of around the coast in Hi- Hokkaido. Uh, from what I was looking at, it's probably on the east, given how how it's supposedly colder. That's like the colder part of uh Hokkaido, even in the the um sort of eastern part. Mm-hmm. Um. But then if you took a train, you would go down, and we know that Hachi must be north of Tokyo then, because they both get on the same train heading into Tokyo. And I think it was supposed to be, like, roughly two hours, um, which for, for Hachi then play, places it far more, like, she's probably around uh, Utsunomiya, um, specifically. 
because uh, that's about two hours away. It might be like one of the smaller areas around it. But also when we see it, like home, their hometown has a, a hall, like a large con- concert hall. Um, it has multiple art schools. So it might just be like, I mean, it's sort of fictionalized, but it might just be Utsunomiya. Mm-hmm. So that'd be on the, the train ramp. Um, but yeah, I had a moment yeah. specifically That's... here where they're talking about like their hometowns and the snowy mountains and stuff where, uh, where, <laughs> where I looked this up. Yeah. That's some impressive, uh, detective work there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, that seems, that seems sound. Um, we also know that, um, there's mountains near, uh, in near slash in Hachi's hometown, um, that it's like, uh, a mountainous region somewhat. Yeah. Um, and I think that would check out, uh, yeah. as well. I mean, there's like mountains all over, uh, Japan, but yeah, there are mountains around sure. there too. But we have the scene with uh, them in the car on the way to Haji's house and yeah. Nana looking out at the uh, the nearby mountain range. Um, yeah. And uh, presumably remembering her, her own home. Uh, so, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty sound. Um, yeah. There may be some, uh, some other Nana mega fans who have also considered this. Uh, if so, write us an email. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, if we needed any more confirmation, uh, that Hachi is fixated on Nana, uh, we have this page here for me, it's page 17, uh, I wasn't so naive anymore, but I sure pretended to be because I wanted Nana to like me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which uh, tells us again that a lot of Hachi's behavior around this time, at least uh, within her recollection, because uh, again, this is a voiceover, um, but at least within this recollection, uh is like revolving around her, uh, her feelings for Nana, um, uh, even as she's doing all of this stuff for Shoji. Um, uh, it's positioned as, oh, I want, you know, I was pretending to be this way because I want Nana to like me. Yeah. Uh, and then we get this, uh, this breakup scene, yeah. which I know you had notes on. Um. So, so one, I mean, we, we saw more of this earlier as well, but it sort of is, is part of why like Sachiko is running off. She's feeling a lot of guilt around this. This is also going to come up when, um, like sort of in the fight that happens in the parking lot, um, that she sort of feels guilty for pursuing Shoji, despite knowing he was in a relationship. She's sort of blaming herself for this, um, We've obviously seen the ways that Shoji is like conflicted about this, but continues to choose Sachiko. Um, and in this moment, we get sort of immediately, um, you know, there, there's the panel that the, the cover art for this season is from of Nana flicking down the cigarette while Hachi cries to go try and punch Shoji in the face. <laughs> um, but we get, uh, 
you know, this moment of uh, Nana fighting for Hachi. Uh, Sachiko sort of throws herself in the way to fight for Shoji. Um, Hachi's not going to fight for Shoji. Um, mm. and, and Shoji also kind of... Uh, it in the way that he's run away from a lot of the the stuff so far kind of is like passive yeah passive throughout this uh so what we mostly get is this fight happening between sachiko who's fighting for shoji and and nana who's fighting for uh for hachi um uh and in this way uh, culmination of uh what we've been talking about where um, I guess there would be there are potentially different angles of, of looking at this. Um, but I think our interpretation is that uh, Shoji likes Sachiko. Shoji wants to be with Sachiko uh, and likes her more. <laughs> uh, and Hachi wants to be with Nana and likes her more. Um, and they're slowly realizing, uh, slowly realizing this, um, but because they, because of the various emotions involved, uh, which are which are evident at this point, um, Shoji and Hachi can't uh, tragically are unable to admit this to themselves, um, and resolve that. Uh, constructively <laughs> before it reaches this like tipping point. Yeah. Um, and, and the way that it becomes resolved is the two people that they are finding themselves more drawn to being the two who will, will have the fight about it. Uh, but in just the very fact that they are the two people who will have the fight about it, that like already, that already provides the solution that, that already answers what this is, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing that stands out to me is that Nana, uh, in this, uh, in this moment where, where all of this, uh, is at stake, Nana reacts with, uh, of course, there's the dimension where she's protecting uh, Hachi, uh, which which you already highlighted. Um, but Nana reacts uh, with violence, <laughs> uh, and also this kind of reactive uh, possessiveness. Um, yeah. Where in a heated moment, she's like, uh, "Hachi, why are you just standing there?" He's your boyfriend. Do something. If you don't fight yeah. for him, you lose. He's your boyfriend. Fight for him. Um, the emphasis on your boyfriend yeah, um, seems to be telling us more about Nana um, than it is about Hachi. Uh, because, of course, Hachi doesn't think this way at all. Um, that's not at all what she's feeling. Uh, she's when we find that out <laughs> uh, immediately when she just disengages and is like, I don't want a guy like that. Um, yeah. And then we've got I mean, this great panel. There's of, also a way that uh, a difference between these two characters that Hachi generally seems to have more like 
polyamorous inclinations. There, there's a way that she's like, and I mean, some of it is, we talked about the stuff with, uh, old boss. I forget his name already. Cause he doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> oh, um, um, Kasamachi. No, uh, no, that's a, that's, you... that's, that's, uh, that's, Oh, Ikoniki. Oh, uh, mi- uh, Mizu, Mizukoshi. Yeah. Mizukoshi. Mizukoshi. Uh, yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, we talked about the ways that, like, that's, like, uh, playful flirting or whatever, more than a serious thing. But there is a way that she, like, does, and she will continue throughout this manga, uh, to have, like, these feelings towards multiple people at once. Um, Yeah, strong feelings for a lot of people. Yeah. And and Nana, uh, you know, we, we can talk about the ways that she will have this with, like, both Ren and, uh... Hachi and there's also ways that she like and Yasu Yasu as well comes in into it as well but I think she's like uh at least she seems less open to it or she has this more possessive like well this is the one person and this person should be with me and like that's it um Mm -hmm. in the way that uh as we go on we will see like despite all the stuff that we're talking about with with Hachi's like interest in um Nana and also moments of jealousy there's also like a a happiness that she gets from thinking about nana being with ren as well um yeah whereas nana will be very possessive throughout all (laughs) yeah uh and i'm noticing uh in this same page where she's um she's yelling hachi while you're just standing there uh the first panel um with her turning around and yelling hachi we have her, uh, her Ren flower tattoo, uh, because her, her she's wearing these like cut off sleeves. So the Ren yeah. flower tattoo is prominently visible um, throughout this as she's expressing these feelings that, again, seem to be <laughs> more projection uh, than um, than her actually. Uh, understanding um what what hachi is thinking or wants in the moment yeah um and i think we have a really great the following page is really excellent uh because hachi's reaction um it is so different uh and then we have the panel of just like nana um this kind of like whited out uh panel close up on her eyes that are just wide in some sort of realization uh, where she's like catching herself um, in an emotional moment and, and almost like uh, shocked out of it and pausing and getting some sort of clarity. Um, and for me, I'm choosing to interpret this moment as um, maybe this is the <laughs> the moment where she pauses and she's like, Oh wait, uh actually uh like i'm feeling my emotions about ren right now um and realizing that this is not like what she's urging hachi to do is not what what hachi wants but like what what she wants in some way yeah Um, and then then you have the yeah we got the the little in the bottom left corner the like softening um of her expression as well you know yeah and the sadness. 
Yeah. Um, um, understanding, reckoning with that, and then also reckoning with um, what the reality of Hachi's choice and what's happening to her um, in the same moment. Um, uh, but that the violence and the possessiveness um, being this immediate reaction um, from Nana uh, worth uh worth remembering um yeah and also in this moment of you know the uh i don't want a guy like that uh i don't ever want to see his face um specifically after this like moment of uh sort of recognition that nana has there's nana holding hachi's hand um we then get them walking home holding hands in two separate panels. Uh, you know, there's the, the one where we sort of get the Shoji's reaction um, and Sachiko a little bit. Uh, note here of uh, the voiceover, Hachi saying, I had too much pride to fight for someone who hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, we've got a certain taking on of like Hachi as well, this having too much pride. Um, but uh, perhaps in this way, it will, you know, will work out for now in this relation with, with Shoji because Nana's going to be more significant, but um, will this apply further? Um, who knows? Yeah. And, uh, but then, uh, yeah, we get the, the holding hands, uh, holding hands under the moon, sort of walking um, along the Tama river. Uh, yeah. And then the moon coming bed. back. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And this shot in particular of like Nana sort of protectively holding Hachi in bed. Uh, And also this is, I feel like previously when we've seen them in bed together, it's been um, Nana's bed. It's been Hachi going over into Nana's bed. Uh, Here, the trap nest poster is above them. This is Hachi's room. And I think it's, you know, this is an entire page. And I think it's because it's important to note that like, Nana is putting her own feelings aside. Like they're lingering, they're hovering over this, but she's still able to move past it in a way to like go into that space where she'll be reminded of, of Ren in order to take care of Hachi. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then we also have the, um, the other textual level here uh, of the foreshadowing (laughs) uh, with, um, in this moment of uh, tenderness and like increasing intimacy um, between Nana and Hachi, uh, we have Ren and Takumi uh, looming yeah. above. <laughs> uh, and um, on the respective sides of the, the two people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Reira uh, with her hand on Ren's chest, which also mm-hmm. going to be part of, um, you know, the looming part, problems. Part of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh so uh just uh just a, a moment to appreciate the the artistry here, I suppose. Yeah. Um also we have the dream of Ren showing up. Um and then of course getting the tickets. Uh yeah. Uh Ren showing up uh figuratively in two ways. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but increasingly real, right? Uh, yeah. So in the dream, and then uh, showing up via the tickets, which uh, 
it will eventually result in his in his physical presence. Yeah. Um we've got we've got uh other key thing on this chapter. We've got Junko um who comes by concerned um but then gives this advice of uh let me find the the moment um but has this advice of basically uh relationships are about two people interacting without equal time effort and consideration there's no way it can work um mm. and this is very specifically advice that Junko is giving about like romantic relationships um and then Hachi is literally like two pages later or like three pages later going to apply this she's going to carefully change relationships to friendships um but she's going to repeat this and specifically around oh you thought about me you like you know got us dinner because you knew that I was sad but I should also be doing something for you you know fr- friendships are about two people interacting I should at mm-hmm. least make tea um so she's this immediately applying she's this applying yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but she's immediately applying it with Nana. Yeah. Um, uh, there's also an element of um, when we talk about these characters realizing things about themselves. Um, and uh, oftentimes in retrospect, uh, realizing things about their actions and then their relationships with other people. Um why certain things happened. Um, I think the postmortem with Shoji is uh, not to reduce Shoji's character, but a lot of stuff that happens with Shoji feels to me like a uh, a, a foreshadowing. Um, we get this relationship that fails um, and not just one that is like difficult and suspended and then, complicated like you know nana and ren break up but it's not it's not final this is gonna go all the way until the very end uh but an actual relationship like ending and not working out um and then we get this like post-mortem from junko where she's like um you know analyzing how the they were respectively treating the relationship and, and acting in it um, and being like, Oh, you know, there were problems even before he cheated. There were problems between you two, uh, you two um, and Hachi being like, Oh, I tried so hard, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Junko kind of calling her out. <laughs> like, did you really though? Yeah. Um, you, you really weren't trying. Uh and yeah, there's the, the pointing of, out of like, um, you know, even got a job so I could be independent and Junko being like, what does that have to do with Shoji? You know? Um, yeah. I think you, you were usually you were just doing what you yourself. were one and yeah. Convincing yourself, um, that you were doing these things for Shoji. Yeah. And I think in, in a way, um, this is the manga walking you through, um, how it itself uh, thinks about relationships and views relationships um, so that you can then apply that (laughs) understanding 
to to every all the other relationships that that you're seeing um and so more to your point uh we cut right back to hachi and nana um so our attention comes right back to that uh and it is underscored uh how much the thing that wasn't happening for shoji and hachi is happening (laughs) uh for nana and hachi um, and that they're doing these things for each other and that this like is a healthier more functional relationship um it's it's drawing our attention to to how this relationship is working um whereas this other example this example of how things don't work um is like uh different in in these ways that are in the highlighted ways yeah um and then of course we we got the the tickets arriving um and specifically in the moment of like i mean one we've got like some dark comedy around her trying to find a razor blade to open the tickets (laughs) yeah Um, and then her being like suicidal and over well supposedly suicidal over shoji and then like instantly kind of moving past it when she gets the trap nest tickets yeah um and we're gonna have also like throughout it the you know uh kyosuke and junko commenting on like well her like nana her roommate nana's concert is coming up so she'll like and she seems excited about that she seems excited about nana's concert so she'll stay alive for that um and then also like the the joking comment in the car we're jumping ahead a little bit but um is all about like you know i got the trap nest tickets so you know i'll I'll have to like make it till then (laughs) um yeah which immediately followed by her in the car with kiyosuke and junko like just overjoyed <laughs> like yeah. no dent at all of sadness uh yeah. and them being in the front seat like <laughs> kind of like miffed <laughs> because yeah. they were so concerned and now she's just like uh completely past it like happy go lucky yeah um there's a way like in chapter 8 too where Junko and Kyosuke talk about like how terrible it would be for um, Hachi. I, I forget where it was, but there's a thing of like, you know, if you take away like love from, from Nana, from Hachi, um, they're saying Nana, uh, then what's like, left? what's left. <clears throat> and so they're so worried about like this going poorly and then it goes poorly. And obviously like she's still depressed, but it's not the worst that they were assuming. Um, and it's because there is still like Nana there. Like there's a, there's still been a fundamental change in this. Um, mm. but yeah, I also wanted to note, um, just before we actually really get to, uh, chapter 10, um, we've, we've got this like final two pages of chapter nine with, um, you know, Hachi holding the tickets and says, Nana, even though it hurts, if you keep on living, good things can happen. Um, and then of course, holding up the tickets and we see like this sort of almost childlike again. Um, I think there's a, a way that Yuzawa Ai has this awareness of like trauma, often a thing that brings you back to like a younger self. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so we're getting a little bit of that there uh, with, you know, their front row seats. And so this like is this moment that seems like it would pain Nana. Um, but then we have come to think of it. I never had any luck, especially with things like this. Those tickets came down from the gods, especially for you, Nana. Uh, so like the next page immediately framing, like this is actually a good thing. Uh, we might see that panel of in the moment, Nana's reaction. Uh, but this is actually from like the perspective of the future, um, a good, important moment for Nana. <clears throat> yeah. And we get some quick uh, <clears throat> emotional shifting that happens in these like three pages where um, Hachi's crisis. Uh, there's a thing where like, uh, I don't know if you want to, if you would call it ironic or some other word. Um, but uh, Yazawa I often uh, has this, this play where um, this reversal of fortunes <laughs> kind of between the two Nanas. Um, and I think we get that here where uh, Hachi's crisis, uh, you know, the breakup with Shoji and she's depressed. Uh is alleviated by this um oh this good thing that uh that she kept on living for she gets the tickets um and so her crisis is is alleviated uh but then that like create flips the crisis onto nana uh where now she has to confront her <laughs> uh all of these negative feelings about her breakup mm-hmm. um so then that's happening on on this page with this, like, uh, the panels that you discussed, um, where Nana has this, like, shadowed, she's drawn in this shadow. Um, she has this, like, de- dejected and shocked look. Uh, and then we get another shift, uh, which, uh, which you already discussed, um, where it's shifting back <laughs> to the future perspective, uh, where, uh, oh, actually, this is, like, a good thing for Nana. Um, but then, uh, of course, on our reread, we know that there's more pain within that too. Yeah. Um, so there's actually there's some complex uh, emotional shifting that's happening in these like in these three pages. Uh, so uh, a lot of depth uh, here for sure at the end of chapter nine. Yeah. Um. So. Finally getting to the halfway point, chapter 10. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. <laughs> um, so much for... Uh, we have more to talk about in volume four, so we yeah. should just spend so, more time on that. Um, I mean, we've got this like early, you know, first page. Uh, back in those days, I didn't really know how to love anyone, but I wanted so much to be loved. Uh, key framing in all of this. Mm-hmm. You know... After everything with Shoji, Nana's thinking about this and framing stuff mm-hmm. up this way. Or Hachi's, you know, thinking about this, framing stuff up this way. Yeah. Uh, and then we get Shoji's final uh, final appearance, oh, at least for a while. Yeah. Uh, where he actually uh, very uh, amusingly announces that he's a character who's on his way out. Yeah. Uh, which... Yeah, yeah, he is. 
Yeah. Uh, I respect him for having the same, you know, sometimes when, when Em and I are reading sagas, uh, I really appreciate when the saga, a character will leave, they'll go somewhere, and then the saga will just say, and then they were out of the saga, or uh, like, <laughs> uh, and like, and then that is like the last of them in the saga. I just appreciate them calling out, like, this guy's gone. You don't have to worry about him anymore. <laughs> you can forget his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's nice to get that closure. Yeah. Uh, which unfortunately Nana and Shoji don't get. Yeah. Hachi. Uh, but uh, yeah. We fall into uh, saying Nana because uh, Jun- Junko and Kiyosuke say Nana for Hachi. Yeah. I'm, I'm like looking at the dialogue where they're, yeah. where they're doing that. Uh, yes. Hachi and Shoji. They don't get the closure. Uh, but um, as a. Uh, as I think this is, uh, yeah, Kyosuke. Um, maybe it's good. Uh, maybe it's good that they don't. Yeah, because uh, they will. They will meet later and uh, and get it eventually. There, there's also this thing of like, um, you know, there might be some value to the closure now, but also the like closure I think is going to be more meaningful later, and I think it like. I think that there's a correct thing here that Junko is like identifying whether or not she, she fully knows it. Uh, but like the, the manga will play this out that like Hachi needs to learn to live with that pain for a little bit longer. Um, and to like think through things more. Um, and then to get that closure later on. Whereas like if that closure happened now, um, I don't know if it would, like I, the closure, I don't think would end with like, and then Shoji and Hachi get back together. Um, right. But there is like, what what else is going to happen there? Um, and I think she's correct that like, in some ways, Shoji wanting to go and do that, like apology to, to Hachi or whatever is sort of him wanting to like have his cake and eat it too, to like escape the pain yeah. instead of yeah. processing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and we talked about with Hachi, her having um, these phases of her uh, character development uh, around like the way that she um, pursues love and understands it. And, you know, we started out with the, she has this very naive uh, falling in love with every guy she sees type of thing. Um, Then she struggles with that. This is like volume uh, one and two. Um, she starts to form <clears throat> th- those like struggles that we discussed back then. Um, prompt her to eventually form a more mature view of love that is like um, still true to, to who she is and how she um, these core traits of her character, uh, but this a more mature view. Um, and then we can see that kind of happening again here where the, her breakup with Shoji is this next sort of crisis, um, that's challenging her, um, as, as Junko says, um, she needs to live with this pain and kind of think about the, um, the pain itself and also the dissolution of the relationship. Um, and that's going to, uh, prompt uh, further development, uh, for her. Yeah. 
Um, I think the stuff in this car ride is interesting as well with, uh, they're going to Nana's concert. Um, and it's like, you know, as the parents sort of in the, the front of the car, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have, uh, Kyosuke, the dad driving and Junko, uh, Hachi riding in the back. Um, but there's the part where, uh, you know, Hachi asks like, Hey, Junko, do you want to go, uh, back home to see the Trapness concert? And Junko's like, not really. I, I'm not really into that like style of music and I don't want to go home. <laughs> um, and Hachi sort of, she says, well, fine. I'll just ask Nana again. Uh, she talks tough, but she's sweet inside. I bet I can get her to go with me. Um, and Junko says, but do you really want to make her do things with you? Why don't you snag some guy who likes trapness to go with you? Um, one, there's been this like recurring thing where, you know, there's the old group of friends that Hachi has and that group of friends continually doesn't like seem to understand or take seriously when Hachi is like, no, Nana is actually like considerate or sweet or uh like she has this like gruff outer exterior but she is actually like a nice person um mm-hmm. there's a way that that like continually gets brushed off um but then we also get this idea of like you know why don't you find some guy who likes trapnist uh you know, go They're They're almost being like, Hey, why don't you have like a rebound? Find some new boyfriend, you know? Yeah. Uh, they're trying to like fix it this way by like saying, Hey, you should go find a boy. Uh, and Hachi says, I don't want a boyfriend. I'll never love again, which they react to. Cause it's like this serious dramatic thing. But then, you know, while they're having the, the reaction of like, Oh, you know, oh, she's, shit. she's, yeah, oh shit. She's, uh, <laughs> happily gazing out the window with sparkles. Besides, I have Nana. <laughs> um, she, she has then, already found the boyfriend to go to the Trapness concert with. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, Kiyosuke and Junko are like, oh my God, what's going to happen to Nana? Uh, <laughs> Hachi. They're, yeah, they're saying Nana. They're like, oh my God, what's going to yeah. happen to Hachi? Oh, yeah. If, here if we it's have. this stark. <laughs> What should we do if you take love away from Nana? What's left? Uh, she's over there, fully in love with someone. Yeah, there is some so. great comedy uh, in the seven through twelve. There are a lot of really, yeah. uh, really funny uh, illustrations and like situations, um, and this is definitely one of them. Yeah, uh, the super dramatic Haji. Uh, instantly turning into like puppy dog <laughs> uh looking out s- stars flashing all around fantasizing um, about nana but then after this this joke moment we do get the more serious with nana i'm never lonely we're both girls and can just be ourselves around each other and we don't get jealous at all or uh we don't get all jealous that's about to get immediately tested uh-huh. um if it's just girls and there's no you know whatever so you don't get jealous. What's what's about to happen? We'll, we'll right. get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not complicated like a romantic relationship between like a man and a woman. Yeah, where people might get that jealous about involve, things. Yeah, that would involve jealousy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, romantic relationships would have jealousy, but we don't have that. Uh, right. But we do always have each other, and it's comfortable. 
Uh, and then she says, compared to that, love is exhausting and painful, and it never lasts. I'm over it. Um, I don't want a boyfriend, but I want the perfect guy. Of course, I know that guy doesn't exist. Um, now, why so doesn't just, that guy just exist? steeped in irony here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I want the perfect, is the perfect guy Nana? And the perfect guy, that guy doesn't exist because it's Nana. Well, and also, I mean, we also have, we've already had a pronouncement that, uh, in the affirmative of the same thing, uh, earlier, (laughs) uh, which I thought that Nana, uh, if Nana was a guy, she would have been the perfect guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, um, the, the same phrase uh getting connected here uh, yeah. with the same irony um but then we also know uh takumi not the perfect guy <laughs> yeah and never yeah. positioned as such yeah uh except in the fantasies that she has in in these chapters takumi jumps yeah <laughs> and yeah and the nature of um Hachi's fantasies about Takumi. That, uh, I think that warrants further uh, uh, examination as well. Just because at this stage, her fantasies about Takumi, they're they're vague. I mean, they're fleeting and vague. Yeah. Um, And we get like an image here. Uh, of her imagining them together, aka the jump scare. Uh, but mostly it's just her, like, uh, longing after his, like, idealized image. Yes. Um, and not so much, like, and specifically, imagining like, having this, this guy who she thinks is hot, like, just physically, like, aesthetically. But then projecting these ideas of what she wants from a partner onto that. Um, And, you know, we what we've seen about that is like, oh, he's the sensitive one in the group who's in touch with his feelings. Um, You know. Like Ren, he's all gruff, but he's the scary one. Yeah. Uh, But Takumi, he's like sweet. Um, Yeah. 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 Yeah, and and we will know when we get to Takumi. Uh, he is not the sensitive one who is in touch with his feelings. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't she's think anyone she's has, really misread. Yeah, this situation. Uh, I don't think anyone who has actually gotten to know Takumi has ever described him as empathic. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, yeah. In fact, unfortunately for Takumi and everyone else uh, around him, he um, that's exactly what he is not. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's also the celebrity element with Takumi, where it's again, it's this idealized image um, that she's also attracted to because he's a celebrity. Um, and uh, I mention that now uh, because the celebrity theme is is another big. A big thing for this manga yeah will we'll be explored in depth um and then what that means what being a celebrity means for the person who's who is who is the celebrity uh and also 
for the people around them, uh, and then all of the relationships that are possible uh, within that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think even it, even in the way that Hachi is like projecting this sensitivity onto Takumi, she's still not ha- uh, having this realistic uh, imagining of them in a relationship together. It's it's this heavily idealized thing. Um, so uh, I think that kind of leaves us even more firmly with uh, with Nana being the sole example of the it really like the focus of this uh, this perfect guy like standard that she's seeking out. Yeah. I, I don't think Takumi is like become this yet, or is is it, uh, in mind here? Yeah, um, he's like occupying a different space for Hachi. Uh, I think like what Hachi is really talking about is Nana, even if yeah. she doesn't know it <laughs> or hasn't acknowledged it to herself here at this juncture. Um. Anyway, should should we move to we got. The meeting with Misato, um, sort of briefly in the at the concert here. Um, yeah. The the note of like all of the background people are drawn like far more punk, um, and Hachi and Misato are not, but are like the truest fans here. Uh, you know, pull everybody back to to watch the show as they're like ready to leave, um, because they don't know who this next band is, um. We get these like two girls, these two punk girls, uh, who decide to hang around since the the vocalist is a, a woman, um, and then if they suck, they're gonna throw beer at them. Uh, they just give me lesbian vibes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they might not be, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we we get the actual concert where uh. You know, we go into the full sparkly shoujo backgrounds here, um, and specifically, you know, looking up at in expectation, the floor shaking, um, Nana appears. Uh, but then we got the page where Hachi is sort of looking up, noticing that the floor is shaking, and then we turn and similar face, but uh, you know, Hachi is sort of almost getting pushed out of the way in the frame here by Misato shouting out Nana. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, going forward to hold up the rose, uh, Nana sort of sees that. And then we see Hachi sort of seeing this moment of, of Nana taking the rose from Misato. Yeah. The, the paralleling that's introduced with Misato um, and, and Hachi now. Yeah. Um, Uh, I had this thought too of, I think we should just stick with Misato until it becomes the time that we need to differentiate. Okay. That works. <laughs> um, because for so much, she's just referred to as Misato. Um, yeah. So uh, when we get to the part where we need to differentiate here, uh, we'll figure out what to do. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Yeah. I feel like it would be entirely too hard to just switch to calling her um, what? My, I think. Is it, is, yes. Yeah. See, we can't even remember what her real name is. 
Yeah. Because Misato is such a... It, it really sticks so firmly uh, for me. So yeah. it, it's easier for me to just... Um, um, oh, just my. Misato. I couldn't remember if it was uh, M-A-E or M-A-I, but yeah, my. Um, but we'll, we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that's that we're we're a ways from from that now. Yeah. Um. The uh, we could talk about um this concert scene uh in more depth. Uh, I'm okay with gliding over it for now, simply because the stuff about. Um, Hachi being Hachi's relationship with Nana also being like an artist and a fan Um, and then eventually like a celebrity and a fan Um, that's important and that's that's happening here but there will be a lot more um, later yeah Uh, and then um, you know everything that goes into that um positive and negative yeah um uh, but we can we can skip more to the hachi being jealous uh after yeah. saying how uh unlike a romantic relationship this isn't complicated we don't get jealous um so you know so we're bit... back at home after the concert we'll yeah. start there um and specifically like so Junko and Kyosuke are there. Um, it's sort of the after party. Uh, and then obviously Hachi's there as well as Misato. Um, and as we sort of open up, like Hachi and Misato are in the kitchen uh, prepping some food. Um, and we get like Nana, you know, we, this panel, oh, Misato jumping in, uh, squeezing Misato, all the hearts around. Uh, and then in the foreground, we have Hachi's sort of uh, angry, shocked reaction, I would say. Um, yeah. But one thing I, I noted here uh, on a reread as well is, you know, the first big thing here where Hachi feels uh, jealous of Misato is Nana being really interested in, oh, what did you make? Um, what's the food that you made for us for the after party Misato? Um, we, we are going to get like Hachi becoming increasingly interested in cooking in general, as well as specifically cooking as like a thing for the after party for blast. Um, Mm. And so I just noted here of just like immediately Hachi noticing and being jealous about Nana being interested in the food that Misato cooked or Mm. prepared. And that Um, being meaningful. (laughs) Uh, Misato being able to provide something for Nana that is meaningful to Nana uh, and that like gets Misato affection from her. Yeah. And then Uh, quickly adopting (laughs) that exact thing with fervor. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We, we get like a, you know, variety of things here uh, with various moments where, where Hachi's feeling jealous um, and then we get the the introspective uh, introspection here. Uh, does she like Nana? She was crying at the show. 
which also Hachi was crying at the show. Two girls, hmm, weird, but why am I jealous? Maybe I'm weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so specifically thinking, you know, two girls, that's weird, but also I'm jealous, so maybe I'm weird as well. <laughs> um, yeah. The the usage of the word weird here um, becoming very obviously uh, the stand-in for this, for the unutterable feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially and, for her being someone who always dreamed of beating, you know, the beautiful bride. Um, husband yeah. assumed to be the, you know, bride to a husband. Yeah. Um, I'll pause for a second here um, and just say going back to um, the the question of um, you know, is is not a queer baiting uh, in the fact that I know on this read through uh, part, part of this is uh, you're you're wanting to make the argument that it's not. Um, I've been on on the reread. I am even more firm. Uh, I'm even more firmly in agreement with you, and I have actually been surprised by how much there is substantiating. Um, the exact like uh, nature of, or subst- like substantiating and explaining, um, not only that there is like uh, sexual attraction, <laughs> uh, very firmly establishing that, um, but then also exploring like how that is unable to be articulated um, instead of just like. Um, having it be like unarticulated or not acted upon. Um, there's there's obviously a greater a greater depth there of the manga being aware that it's not acted upon and unarticulated, um, and that itself is examined. Um, and this is uh, a scene where I was thinking about this um, when I was reading through. Um, just how much the, the manga is really giving you, like, I, I don't, the argument that we're making is really not, (laughs) it's not a hard argument to make. It's so amply supported. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and my, my understanding of the, it's your baiting argument is just that, like, it doesn't end with them, like, kissing and calling each other girlfriends. And that's, like, the end yeah. of the manga. Um, which, to me, feels like, uh, it, it feels like saying this is not giving me, like, the specific thing that I want that lots of, like, girls love manga will give, which is just the, oh, it's, you know, the girls kiss and whatever. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, and whatever dismissively, but like there, there are plenty of good examples of this. Um, obviously there's interesting stuff to be done where people are in a relationship and you get the complexities of that still. Uh, but there's also a lot of very light, fluffy, like girls love or, or Yuri manga, um, that is very low stakes and, uh, almost exists in this world where, um, 
it's like basically all girl characters anyways. Um, and you know, it's kind of just operating in the same romance mode. Uh, but it's between like a, a two girls instead of a boy and a girl. Um, and obviously there's value for people in being able to see those and, and have those sorts of stories. Uh, but I think the, the idea that that is then the only valid form of Yuri or girl's love says that to have something that talks about the uh, intense complexity and difficulty in working through those feelings in, in existing in a, a cis heteronormative society and having to go through a long, painful process of trying to like, understand the ways that you deviate from that and uh you know try to like move past that so that you can have relationships with people um that that is like invalid and and you know then does not count i think it is saying something about the priorities that people have um yeah yeah and um i guess i only pause to um I didn't want to uh, ne- necessarily digress on it. Yeah. Um, I only pause to say, like, you certainly can't argue that there's not substance um, to, like, the um, to this problem <laughs> uh, in the manga. That it's it's not something that is uh, like. just uh uh pointless or like thoughtless um and then it's just like uh you know a, a meaningless uh gesturing at at a kind of like homoeroticism or whatever um that that doesn't really have any content or, or substance um i think that argument is very obviously not a good one um and i was struck by how not good it is um <laughs> reading reading this again um yeah but yeah sorry for creating the digression um, um i mean we could to, to, to digress further just briefly okay good do it yeah um I, this is a thing that i i see a lot in queer spaces specifically which is um you know there there will be lots of like romance stories that will have tension between like oh you know which characters of these like multiple characters is this character going to end up with you know you got like your your sort of quote-unquote love triangle situations uh stuff like that where like somebody has to pick between different people and it causes all this tension and drama um and there's like a certain reaction to that that exists a lot in queer spaces of like oh well this would just be solved if like these characters could just be polyamorous like if they like they you love both of the people why don't you just work it out um Mm -hmm. and i think it's a very dismissive like like obviously that is a a thing that could happen in stories that often does not happen because it's just the, the ways that like society portrays various things. But I think there's a way that it is like put forward of like one, everybody just get over it. Right. Which, which is easier said than done. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like, Oh, all these problems that, that are being portrayed are really just like dumb and like easily solvable. Um, and then also then this idea of, well, if they just, if they just got over like that tension, 
and then they all just dated each other or whatever, that would solve everything. That like this, the relationships would work then, as if, if they like just saw this having one multiple solution. relationships and having to balance those would not in and of itself be a, another difficulty and another source of tension. Yeah, um, and still in the same context that made it hard to begin with, of course. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a there's often this a, approach, and, and I think it comes from a certain amount of like uh, impulse of wanting to see like yourself represented. To to lots of people have gone through the experience of coming out as queer and are in queer relationships and want to see that depicted. Um, but. I, I think there's sometimes a way that like that stuff then gets framed as, well, you just get over it and then everything's better. That one, like, I think does a disservice to what, like as somebody who, who has gone through the process of figuring out that I'm trans and queer and everything and, and going through the coming out process. And that is like a long and painful process. And then you do get on the other side of it and things are generally better. Um, but also there are ways in which things are better because you have gone through that difficult process and to like sweep that under the pro- the rug as like a, you know, and ideally we'll live in a world where that will be like a less difficult process for people. But there are still things that I think I have gained going through that process that there are other people who maybe won't and won't have that same like, um, you know, they, they won't come out of it with the same, same sort of conclusions and the same sort of... um like there is a way in which going through that has made me a more empathic person. It has made me someone who cares more about other people who are suffering or struggling. Maybe somebody who, not to say that I like didn't at all, or I had no empathy for anyone. Um, but like, I feel like I am a better mother to my child because I have had to go through the process, the difficult process of figuring out my gender. And that is a thing that enables me to like provide constructive place uh, space for play around these things for my kid so that my, my kid hopefully doesn't have to go through quite the same pains. But I also know that like, if they decide, uh, you know, that they are, are not cisgender basically as they grow up, there's still going to be difficulties around that because society has not moved on. Um, right. but there's also ways that I think I, I, uh, am able to be-, be a better mother around especially specific things with like how to express yourself and how to like take agency over yourself and who you are that comes through from from me having to go through a painful process um, and coming through on the other side with like more understanding and uh, appreciation and um, all of that that has come from that. So, um, yeah. So I think there's yeah. like value in having stories as well. Uh, you know, if we live in a world where like there's less struggle that people have to go through to come to this conclusion, to me, in some ways, it makes it more valuable to have stories that still talk about what that what was was like uh, and how to go th- like how going through that played out because I think it's still important for people to like understand that and and see that. Um, but I also think it's important for people who are going through that to see something that's reflecting it as well. So, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess hopefully this isn't redundant to say, um, but if, if we are correct in our reading, um, and at, 
at minimum, this is um, Hachi and, and Nana um, have some sort of queer relationship, which again, I, I think it's hard to argue that this relationship is not that at all. Right. Yeah. Um, then it's not, I guess then the argument becomes not about, oh, well, it's not representing a queer relationship. Um, it's that that representation needs to, uh, the, the categories, uh, of things occurring in that relationship, like certain categories are being prioritized that need to be fulfilled, such as, you know, a certain type of, maybe a certain type of conclusion, or, um, this is a relationship where the two people have sex. Uh, yeah. Like, and then it, it feels to me like, I understand why why that's important, um, or at least, you know, maybe I don't have the fullest understanding, but <laughs> I acknowledge like, uh, I understand to a degree, and I and I acknowledge why that's important, um, but that's all. It is also doing this kind of narrowing, um, where like, well, what's important about uh, about this suddenly becomes like, well, it's maybe diminishing like a large category of, of relationships that are this thing that we want to be represented. Um, but they're just not like, uh, containing the, the right types of content that are being prioritized. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, the, these are substantial, like, <laughs> this is a substantial representation of a relationship that, like, rings true. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I don't know if it, um, dis- dismissing it seems a little harsh. Um, yeah. But, okay, while we're here on this, <laughs> uh, Maybe so we've kind of reviewed the scene already, but uh maybe we can kind of try to like inhabit the uh emotional space uh of what's going on with Hachi like a little bit more. Um so you know the like we already said the the use of the word weird, like weird is this kind of like unutterable feeling. Yeah. Um, and is carrying a certain like, uh, preconceived negative feeling around queerness. Um, even, even if it's like not always like there's this, a a certain, uh, internalized like homophobia, I think in, in that. Yeah. And and that's Um, what I was trying to, to get at is like, okay, the manga's showing us that she can't, she can't, or like that this is unutterable. Is it also? Do we have enough to to understand why? Yeah, 
yeah, at I this mean, point. We we do get like again. I think you were getting at it. Yeah, like, there's the dream already. of like being a housewife. Um and you know, of of getting married, being a beautiful bride, having a, a house with a yard, um all of that, which is this like expectation that that Hachi has for herself that is an expectation that is like passed down to her by by society and culture and probably her parents to some extent uh but also just like this social idea of what a woman is supposed to be um that she feels some attachment to still she she has some identification with it um Mm -hmm. in a way that like Nana does not, you know, we've seen with Nana being like, I don't want to be a mother. I want to be a rock star, these sorts of things. Um, Hachi has, seems to have far more comfort with the idea even of being the thing that a woman is supposed to be in society, which is like a wife and a mother um, who takes care of the home and, you know, is a beautiful bride and those sorts of things. Mm, Um, Even at this point. Yes. Um, And so, one, there's like, she does have this identification with the thing. It is a thing that it seems like, you know, even beyond, um, like, the social expectations put on her, there is a way in which, like, she has more of that embracing of femininity and that, like, uh, you know, it is a thing that she does genuinely want. And it seems like a thing that... uh, even as it gets complicated by this relationship with Nana, um, it is still like, you know, this is the vector in which I am weird. This is the vector in which I am different. Uh, but also, like, where we end up in the very end of this, this you know, series, when we get to uh, volume 21... We can talk about the ways that it's become complicated and changed and stuff, but there is still a way in which, like, she does kind of want to be, like, if if we imagine Nana gets back, she divorces Takumi, they live together, there's still a way in which she's probably going to operate to some degree as the housewife of the relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. If if we got the, like, full realization that the people who think it's your baiting want, uh, where they live together and they get married and they have sex and stuff, she's still probably going to f- fit into more of the feminine role in the relationship. Because um, it is just something that seems like she enjoys, she de- derives, like, um, you know, she identifies with, she derives some sort of like, uh, satisfaction or sense of accomplishment or, you know, value from, um, yeah. And that is like evidently <laughs> their relationship, uh, yeah. which we'll see in, in future volumes, like that's a characteristic that it takes on. Yeah. Um, she wants to be the one who is at home cooking a big meal for when Blast gets back from their concert, you know? (laughs) Yep. Um, Making the cake. Yeah. And, and so on. Um, And, and I don't think that like inherently these things are bad things to want. Um, But the, the way that she wants, because she wants that, it means that it is then harder for her to accept the ways that she deviates. Um, Mm Yeah. 
Because that's so linked to like the heteronormative vision that she also has. Yeah. Like um, being being that thing that she wants to be is like is part of a, a framework in her mind. Yeah. Um But then we we do get in a way that we we don't with Nana, especially to this point where we don't have like much interiority with Nana. We get the still the interiority with Hachi of not only this thought of like, why am I jealous? Um, you know, two girls, that's weird. Maybe I'm weird. But then we even get the laying in bed, you know, Nana and uh Misato. Misato's in Nana's bed. Um and Hachi's laying in bed thinking like so she said she's not a lesbian, but what if Misato is? You know, Nana does kiss girls. She did kiss me. What if something happens? Nana's drunk, and when she's drunk, she does seem to be, like, more flirty and, like, interested in sex. Um, how does two girls having sex work? I haven't, like, really thought about it that much. Um, I guess... But now that I am. Yeah, now that I am, <laughs> I'm going to imagine... Uh, while I'm laying on my back with the bl- the blankets pulled up blushing, I'm going to imagine Misato laying on her back with Nana on top. Because uh, I guess Nana would be the one on top. <laughs> uh, don't know why um, Why I'm guessing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm fantasizing with my, my roommate. I need to get a boyfriend. I need to, like... I'm getting too close to touching the fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then like the that this explosive panel, uh, and the page following where it's like, yeah, you know, huge uh, lightning <laughs> strikes <Yeah>. background, <laughs> new massive new type, uh, <laughs> yeah, massive psychic trauma, yeah, her like um, her her just total like the scream, you know, yeah. her mouth wide open, like <laughs> arms. all messes attacking. <laughs> Yeah, arms like apps like locked out, white knuckling the sheets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I need to get laid to... and soon. That's why I'm getting all freaky. I just need a guy to get off with. Um, yeah. Yeah. But again, like that freaky and weird um the yeah. like stigma um carried in that uh I think uh, giving giving hints at as to like what she's actually struggling with and what's motivating the kind of um the self denial um in these in these moments. Um yeah and then we get the the slightly more serious I mean it it moves into more serious again. Um with you know romance is pointless love just drives me crazy that's why i act stupid and waste my energy and things never work out anyway um thinks about mr asano uh can't really remember his face um and is now like and to think that i thought that i love him loved him basically um and then when she goes to think of shoji we just get the like blackness um you know this like feels like her like pushing even the the thought of his face out of it um yeah even the yeah. way the the text is arranged it kind of has that pushing effect yeah um and then we get the the flip to the page of i'm jealous of nana yeah and the the jealousy element um 
is another dimension to, to this relationship that um, complicates things even further. Yeah. Um, then she wakes up. She's upset as she's falling asleep that uh, she doesn't have work because then she could just use it to distract her. Uh, but also she needs to find another job because she hates that office. So some yeah. of the jealousy here too, like we can talk about the various layers, but even in this moment, there's like one to sing, do this thing that like Nana loves for a living. Um, to be able to do something like capitalism. that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how much will it do that? We'll see. Um, but like, that's maybe part of the jealousy. There's also maybe this jealousy in the way that like Nana is deviating so much more from all of those traditional ideas of like what she, you know, women should be, um, that like if Hachi was able to access that more, maybe she would also have, uh, be able to like deal with things differently than she does. Yeah. And then Nana's like stage presence and her power, um, and within that, um, also maybe being part of that as well for Hachi. Um, but yeah, wakes up, uh, Nana and Misato have gone to Disneyland. Uh, she is, you know, very upset about this, uh, decides to dress up to look real cute and go out on the town and shop, um, you know, shop her woes away. Um, but then keeps seeing these damn straight people everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, they and, are. Yeah. They and, are. And, they are all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh holding hands being lovey-dovey in public it's just they're disturbingly common let me tell you yeah <laughs> uh, i can't even imagine knowing a straight person anyway <laughs> um you know disappointed that nobody even hit on her in her cute outfit um and then uh thinks about going to jackson uh but then again we get the blacked out but shoji hangs out there too uh so she goes shopping and see Sachiko, um, you know, buying food, buying um, hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it specifically hamburgers? I no, mean, no, no, no. Not Nana's making yeah. hamburgers. Nana's yeah. making hamburgers. Um, hold on, let me zoom. I'm zooming in on on Sachiko's cart here. Yeah. yeah Looks like maybe there's a leak there of some sort. Yeah, in some sort of box of something. Yeah, yeah. We don't have it. We don't have enough evidence here to conclude that it's burgers. But yeah, um, um, but basically, yeah. There, there is. Hachi is thinking about what should I make for dinner for Nana, and then sees Sachiko, and immediately assumes she's here shopping to cook something for for Shoji. At his place. Yeah. Um, so another parallel here. Yeah. Um, and then when she does get home to, you know, cook for uh, her, not a boyfriend, um, Nana. Uh, we've got Misato still there. They're, they're both wearing uh, Mickey Mouse ears, or I guess Minnie Mouse ears. It's, it has the bow. I'm assuming that's mm-hmm. Minnie Mouse then. Um. And has this moment where she snaps. Uh, and we, we have the thought of everyone I love is being taken away from me. Um, I can't lose Nana too. Yeah. 
Um, and so, you know, snaps, she's staying over tonight too. Uh, I live here too. You know, you can't just do whatever you want. Um, and then we get specifically this called out. We see the, the face, which we sometimes see Nana have this more childlike face. Uh, but it gets specifically called out of, um, I thought Nana would be pissed, but she looked like a scolded child. Um, it breaks my heart to think about it. If only I'd been more mature back then and realized what your weaknesses were, would things have been different now? Um, and obviously we have the insight into Nana's past of what would be something that would make her feel like a scolded child. It might be this accusation of, you know, we, we had the whole thing with sexual. the accusation of, yeah, uh, yeah. sexual impropriety, this, you know, being a prostitute and not denying it. Um, they came up with her grandmother. Um, and this is sort of the, the immediate reaction she has um, is sort of quietly storming off, like not saying anything. Uh, we'll, we'll get with the next chapter uh, that night without a word. Nana left the room leading Misato by hand and didn't return until morning. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, another way that we can look at this, um, especially with the coming chapter, um, is the um, the emotional needs that Nana is like acting on or fulfilling with Musado in this moment. Um, you know, they're really not understood by Hachi. Um, and so Hachi is like, you know, chewing her out, um, for doing this, spending time with Misato and having fun with her and all that. Um, when Nana is like, she's just, uh, kind of trying to find these ways of satisfying, like her, her own deep emotional needs. Um, yeah. And I, I bring this up because Yasu is coming next. Um, and it seems like Nana is doing this. Um, you know, she's, she's seeking this out with these people who are close to her, which is Hachi and Yasu and um, Misato. And the things that she's trying to, to have with them or do with them, um, I think we, the reader, can kind of like surmise from what we see her doing and wanting um, some of the internality that we, we don't uh, that we don't get um, for Nana. Um, And, uh, and then, you know, extrapolating from that, um, that it's, it's not maybe not just the sexual impropriety, but it's uh, also like, Nana um having her like needs uh her attempts to meet her needs, like being scolded for that and shut down. Um when she's just she's kind of like searching for this fulfillment, um, and then having this negative consequence. Uh because Hachi it in a rare moment for Hachi of her like not um <laughs> being uh 
not understanding or not being empathetic. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to to chapter 11, where I think we get more of this um, for Nana, in a way. Yeah. Um, where she shows up at Yasu's. Um, Yasu is working, of course. He's trapped in the soul-crushing labor um, <laughs> of, of being an attorney, or I guess a, like a junior attorney at this point. Yeah paralegal i think um we will we will find uh, out more about uh exactly what yasu's job is um later i don't know if you remember this connor i we, we can bring it in now if if you don't yeah I, I, it, I don't know i don't know if i do so we will find out later um it's like I, f- I forget who it is. It's like, uh, I think the, the, like basically Rayra's handler, um, who also studied law and is aware of in a way that nobody else is. Cause they aren't like aware of these peculiarities that as part of the way that law school works in Japan, in order for Yasu to like get the final, uh, you know, like whatever, yeah, graduation and stuff in order to be a lawyer, you would have to complete his paralegal work in the same like area in which he went to school. The fact that he moved to Tokyo from like the hometown to, to go and uh, play drums for blast in that moment, he was already making a decision. That means that he would never become an actual lawyer. He would be stuck being a paralegal. Uh, if he did not make it like as a, as a drummer. Mm-hmm. So he will forever, like he, his job here will never escape out of that. Um, he's like already messed things up where he's just doing parallel legal work and he will, he's not a lawyer. Um, okay. So yeah. Uh, additional detail of like, you know, Yasu's intentions here. Um, yeah. And so- his, his like desire to be near Nana. Yeah. And so additional twisting of the knife then when Nana is like, what work? It's a four day weekend. Your lawyer life's got to suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Nana comes in, uh, shows up unannounced, uh, gets in Yasu's bed. Um, and uh, although initially seemingly to sleep, like she like basically falls asleep right away. <laughs> yeah. But then she's like not sleeping. She's carrying on a conversation with him. Um, they're talking about Misato and Shin. Um, and then she starts teasing him about, uh, he looks evil with his sunglasses off. Um, and then Yasu, um, we can connect the dots here uh, with the previous scene where Yasu doesn't want to uh, sleep in the same bed as Nana um, because he, it's a bad idea. Uh, Yasu starts kind of urging Nana to leave. Like, Nana, why don't you go sleep at home? Um, once again, Nana is very forward. <laughs> um, 
and is explicitly like sleep with me. Although it not we don't know if it's yeah. There's what the nuance here, here is yeah. yeah. Um, um, there's a way that I read Nana, and I I think this is something that's more up to interpretation than like are Nana and Hachi in love throughout the the course of this manga. But like I think there's a way that that Nana approaches um like being flirty and things where she specifically is, is more interested in just getting the attention and being aware that she can use like sexuality because she is like a, a beautiful hot woman, uh, to get attention from men. Um, more so than like this actual deep, like, like Sexual I, there, desire. yeah, there are ways that we will, we will see that, uh, her sexual desire play out with like Ren. Um, there's also ways that we'll see like the complications with Hachi's sexual desire and the feeling she has around that. But there is a way that like Nana is often, and, and she does this when she's like kissing Misato in volume one and kisses Hachi and stuff as well, that she like plays off of that sexual, uh, that sexuality that is like put on her, um, by society, by her like grandmother and stuff to like sort of act out and get it, get, attention in that way even if you know yeah when you want attention sort of negative attention still good attention you're still getting attention (laughs) um so and with all that in mind um i think that that context makes the this scene and also her and yasu uh even more interesting because yasu doesn't seem to um have those sexual expectations of her. Um, and in fact, it's uh, kind of the opposite because he's so actively uh, avoiding it. Um, and at minimum, she's saying, come sleep with me. So we'll just take that to mean she wants to sleep in the same bed. Um, at minimum, I think we can safely say that she's desiring some greater intimacy um and maybe it's not like maybe she's not desiring sex but intimacy in the form of sleeping together in the same bed um and that like closeness um which we've seen before when she will like hug him um uh which she does with uh misato as well um but nana's often like initiating like you know running up to yasu and hugging him and having this physical contact with him um, and like intimate moments. Um, And again, she's like wanting this. Um, So I think we can say that at least that, um, you know, Nana's looking for this kind of like intimacy here. And, um, and then there's also, um, of course she's aware of the like sexual nuance um, yeah. Even if she's not requesting sex exactly, um, or desiring it, um, she's invoking it, <laughs> yeah. uh, in this way of like creating a situation where that is, um, a possibility. where that is the immediate, like, uh, context <laughs> uh yeah. for this intimate moment they're about to have um, um and i mean so it 
us rereading this, knowing what we know of Yasu. I mean, we know that that Yasu is interested in Nana in terms of like having a a you know devoted romantic relationship. Um, yeah. We also know that Yasu is, you know, is in contact with Ren. Like we get that at the end of these chapters, um, yeah. and also seemingly, you know, we get the the conversation later about like. Nobody talks about Ren because you're not supposed to. There's also a way that Yasu is aware that Nana still has feelings for Ren. And so a lot of this is also framed around him being like, basically, I, I don't want to do anything unless it's act- you're actually being serious, Nana. Like, yeah. um, I want a serious relationship or I just, I shouldn't get too close. I shouldn't well, like. Well, also, a, he's de- a deference to yeah. Ren. In yes. that, like, he, he will later say uh, to Ren, basically, like, I'm waiting on the sidelines, like, because I have deference for, like, you and Nana are together. But, like, if you don't want her, then, like, I want to be together with her. Yeah. So he, like, won't act also because of, like, this, these convictions that he has about, like, respecting not violating the relationship of Nana and Ren. Um, we also get the moment at the window. Um, yeah. Which I think uh, <laughs> deepens it. Um, you know, the, this is another kind of shoujo. Yeah. Uh, heavy emotion scene. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's, we're maybe worth noting that Nana is like fleeing, um, and running away. Yeah. Uh, which will come back. (laughs) Um, um, and, and she goes home and sort of wants to wordlessly just go to her room. Um, and the thing that makes her stop is that Hachi apologizes, which she seems like genuinely surprised by. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, Hachi's talking about, I was tired and confused and I was in a bad mood. Uh, I didn't mean to take it out on you. Um, maybe saying half of what happened <laughs> yeah. here in her apology, but still it's like. Just tired and confused. That's all. Yeah. Um. But still, it seems like this thing that that finally, it it seems like a a response from Hachi that Nana was not expecting. She did not expect for somebody to apologize after this. Um, again, speaking as like someone who has some neglect trauma, uh, there are lots of ways that you like assume the feelings that people have that come out of that where you then are surprised when someone actually shows like the care or apologizes. Um, and it's also a hard thing sometimes to accept. So like, you know, she, she doesn't really respond. She just sort of stares. And then when Hachi says, are you mad at me? Just says, you know, sort of deflects. Not really. I was being selfish and considerate, just like you said, uh, which is somewhat like owning up, but there's a little bit of like, I, you know, I'm sort of brushing aside that, yeah, and I'm sort of brushing aside that apology. Um, 
But then we also get the the shout of "I'm not your boyfriend," uh, and Hachi immediately responds, "You're way more important than a boyfriend, Nana." <laughs> um, which we get the sort of humorous shocked face to. Um, I don't know if you have other thoughts on that, but worth <laughs> calling attention to. Yeah. Um, the. It's it's continuing to develop along the uh, <laughs> the trajectory that we've charted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of the same stuff is is at play. Um, I think I already spoke about um, uh, Hachi calling Misato. Um, notable that how quickly she uh, processes and overcomes the the jealousy. Uh, yeah. And then goes, uh, comes back to uh, A, getting closer to Misato, um, and B, trying to facilitate greater closeness um, between Misato and particularly Nana, uh, but also all of Blast, because she knows that it's going to, to be good for everyone. Um, yeah. And that really is um it's a core a core trait of Hachi. Um one of her uh hero one of the heroic traits um that makes her a kind of hero uh yeah. in this manga. Um and especially it's sort of when Hachi's saying, uh, you know, I want to apologize as well to Misato. This is where we get like the most softening of Nana's expression. Um mm. and you know the the agreement to to do dinner together. Uh Hachi is going to cook a special apology dinner. Um <laughs> and then sort of the Nana leaving and we get the the reflection here, her sort of smiling. Um oh yeah and I this think, is where we get the burgers. This is yeah. the joke i've been trying to make all night yeah i wonder what she cooked for shoji (laughs) Um, it was was burgers again i once again like hachi is here uh making those dinners i can probably make the you know i can probably make those burgers that i was going to make for dinner remembers again sachiko cooking for somebody that she loves or at least assuming that She's she's thinking of of Nana as her shoji, yeah, basically. Um, which you know, we know what kind of relationship that is. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I did want to emphasize the sort of which we have like framing. You know, again the the dark part of um, Nana's shirt becoming the panel that Hachi's in at work. Uh, but that expression too of her sort of leaving smiling uh i think these chapters in particular important for like nana seeming to start developing feelings for hachi in a way that uh we haven't really seen explicitly um beyond like the breakup with shoji sort of the the first part but we get more of it here and i think this like growing sense maybe of safety with um with hachi Hachi being like specifically here within her, um, in the framing, um, mm-hmm. 
but to to like there's this thing that my my work talks about. I'm gonna like do a slight divergence. Um a thing that my work talks about, which I think is is correct, um of like they they have they really focus on doing um really good customer service. They're like one of the few places where if you call a number to try and get some help, like it, it the phone rings twice and then a real human being picks up, right? <laughs> you mm-hmm. like you're not going through a robot tree or anything. And they they have this thing and like, you know, research supports of like someone who never has any issue with a company is going to have like a generally favorable uh, feeling about it. If you have a a if you have an issue, if something does go wrong and then you contact like a customer support line and you have a good experience from that, you will then like that company even more than if nothing ever went wrong. Now you don't want to like overdo it. Cause if everything's constantly going wrong and you're constantly calling customer service, even if they're really helpful, that's still going to be negative. Like, you know, there's a diminishing returns. Um, but it's the thing that my work talks about a lot. So I sort of have had it in mind when I was thinking about this. But it's obviously like a, a you know, I, I go to therapy and then <clears throat> talk about like, oh, when I have like a PTSD attack, it's then important how the people that I care about take care of me because that's the thing that will help me heal or like make me feel safe and secure. Um, and so having this moment of like Hachi yelling, it being this sort of negative thing in the moment for Nana. But then having this apology and having this like more heartfelt connection as a result of it is probably a thing that's ultimately strengthening that feeling that she has uh, for Hachi rather than weakening it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because um, psychological safety is so much about being able to resolve uh, having like a trusted and effective um, route to resolve issues. Yeah. Um, it's like if, if something happens to you, um, being able to like express that and then get support. Um, or if you need something, knowing that you can express that and then get what you need um, is like a, a key um it's a, a necessary element of that. Um, and so I think you're right that that's kind of what's happening here where um, we have the fight and we're able to resolve it. And then that is like fostering greater uh, psychological safety. Cause you know, well now you have greater trust that um, we can re- resolve issues and we can communicate and, um, if a problem arises, it's not going to be this response that I fear that like I've, I've, I've learned to fear because of my trauma. It's going to be this like response that's fulfilling and that, um, that helps me and, and, um, d- does what I need to like make me feel better. Yeah. Um, yeah, then we get the the phone call with Misato, um, and this moment of, you know, says, "Oh, back when Ren was in the band," um, and being like Ren, the I like the note that they're both reading the same like Trapness magazine, 
Um, <laughs> you know, so rock on Japan. Um, and the, the same like trapness feature, basically. Um, that's a good catch. I actually, I didn't catch that at first. Yeah. Uh, but that's, uh, again, it's really amazing. Uh, paralleling here with Misato and Anahachi, um, sure. in sort of a fun, playful way, but, uh, also them both as fans. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then, you know, at first Hachi's like, Ren, you, you couldn't mean the Ren that I'm looking at right now in this feature on <laughs> Trapness. Uh, and then start put, starting to put it together and being like, you know. You uh, know what? Yeah. God damn it, it is that Ren. <laughs> yeah. Shin really idolized Ren Hanjo and played like him and his style was easy to sing to. Um, uh, oh, crap. Ren, remember when she was really oh, insistent that it was a Ren flower? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so that's discovered. Um, Nana f- or Hachi figures out that Nana and Ren dated. Yeah, uh, kind and, of that that backstory. And first has the um, you know conclusion here that uh, it is like that they're still dating, and that's why Nana is so like closed off in in you know, doesn't talk about herself very much. It's because while she's dating a, a rock star, she's dating a celebrity, you know, she can't go around spreading that. Um, you got to be quiet about those things. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get more about that later. If she's um, secretive and it changes how you live your life. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that has to be it. They're still together. They're still dating. Um, notably, she gets a nosebleed here while she's thinking about it, which, um, you know, classic trope. Yeah, Japanese uh, culture trope here of nosebleed being like being excited, often sexually, um, is the the like connotation here. Uh, but I yeah. do love the panel of her with the the <laughs> the like the paper claw, the stuffed up tissue. her nose. Yeah, with like yeah. stained with blood. Uh, with their like, you know, blushing like sweat down her forehead. Uh, thinking about Nana. <laughs> leaving in the dolled up Vivian. Hooking up with Ren. Yeah, going to hook up with Ren. Being like, it's gotta be it. She's not going to work. She's going to fuck Ren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, um, it is really great. Uh this whole sequence is really is really good. Yeah. Um but then uh you know goes and sees Shin and Nobu who explain the actual truth about the breakup. Um interesting note here of uh Hachi saying to Nobu, don't, don't you call me Hachi? Um, which we will get a moment where he stops calling her Hachi. Um, yeah. Overall, this is a losing battle for her though. Yeah. Uh, we call her Hachi. That's your yeah. name's Hachi. Now. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think we can kind of, um, We can sort of skip ahead a little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The cigarettes. So we've got Yasu's cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, And then initially, you know, Hachi doesn't want to reveal to Nana. Or she's like dancing around, uh, (laughs) revealing that she now knows about Rin. Um, and then what really th- throws a wrench in it is 
<clears throat> Nana now decides she wants to go to the show. Um, so then Hachi's like, well, um, <laughs> now I definitely can't uh, reveal this before the show. Um, because that would be too awkward. Uh, and I want her to go with me. Um, so I can't trip, you know, I can't embarrass her by asking. Um, then she starts to fantasize about Ren and Nana having this, uh, climactic reunion at the concert and that, that she will facilitate, uh, and make Nana happy. Yeah. Uh, and she gets another nosebleed, (laughs) uh, at the romance of this, uh, Ren and Nana, you know, coming back together, embracing each other. Yeah. Um, so him uh, leaping down off the stage to scoop her up in his arms. Yeah, this total the shoujo fantasy. Yeah. Let's um, see. We have we do get Ren uh, coming back. We have a brief scene that you pointed out earlier. Uh, where Ren goes to visit Yasu, we don't see the conversation or anything. Yeah. Uh, but we just. But we get that. the reaction of "Oh, you again! Now what's up at this hour?" Which you know implies that this is um, certainly not the first time that they've met up. That Ren yeah. has showed up on Yasu's doorstep, more specifically. Uh, and then finally getting to chapter twelve here. Uh, um, as a note here, uh, I do want to just call out in this little bit, um, let me see if I can find. So, uh, there's the blast cigarettes, um, which Nana identifies as being like, oh, did Yasu stop by and leave these? Um, and, uh, Hachi says, no, those are shins, but I took them away because he shouldn't be smoking. You know, he's a kid basically. Um, and then uh let me see where this where's the there's a specific line about um oh yeah so nana refers to them as uh gross cigarettes uh what other maniac would smoke these crazy cigarettes uh and hachi says are they really gross it always smelled so nice and sweet around him uh and so at the end of this chapter where we get like the morning of the concert um Nana is sitting and is smoking the blast cigarettes. Uh, is this like her wanting the comfort of Yasu here? Is that why she's smoking the cigarettes? Or is it like this is them going to see the, the concert together and she knows that Hachi thinks that these smell nice. And so she's going mm. to smoke these ones. Um, You know, or it can be both, right? Both can be happening yeah. here. Um, but uh, I thought that yeah, was a, an important out. detail. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, especially going into the um, chapter 12, uh, where we uh, kind of culminate the selection of chapters that we have here with this reemergence of the past um, 
we have a great line. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, oh, uh, well, uh, oh, I was going to say, while you're looking, uh, I do like the moment of, um, you know, all I can think about is Nana and Ren. I can't deal with anything else. Uh, well, I don't want to think about anything else. If I had a new boyfriend, I probably wouldn't care about Shoji anymore. I can't wait for that day. And then here's Nana all butched up. <laughs> um, but also even that being like, oh, I wouldn't care about Shoji anymore. But then also being like, all I can think about is Nana and Ren. <laughs> right. And um, then she instantly stops thinking and caring about Shoji for the remainder yeah. of the chapter. Yeah. Uh, the line I was going to point out is um, when Nana's sister picks them up, uh, they're driving back towards uh, sorry, or Hachi's sister. Sorry. They're driving back towards Hachi's house and Hachi is like, oh, that's the art school I used to go to and so on. Um, and then she says so many memories <laughs> and her, her sister is like, what do you mean? It was only a year ago. <laughs> Uh, and she's like, oh, it feels like it's been years. Uh, and I think, I mean, for one, it, this is a funny, this is Hachi kind of being Hachi and like being a goofball. Yeah. Um, so it's a funny scene. Uh, but it's also a moment where uh, all of these characters um and specifically Hachi and Nana have these kind of ruptures in their past or these breaks. Um, yeah. So, you know, Hachi moving to Tokyo, um, Nana's doing the same for her breakup with Ren. Um, and in volume two, or I guess I'll just say our last discussion, there was a lot about, them uh how they've moved to tokyo and uh this blanks there's a kind of blank slate (laughs) element you know room 707 they're constructing these new lives um and then the manga and us the reader we really inhabit those new lives that they're constructing um and get swept up in it um Especially, you know, the power and the the force of the Hachi Nana relationship. And we're all excited for that. And and that's like moving forward uh quickly. Uh and then we get this breaking back in of the past um with the return to uh to Hachi's hometown. Um, so, uh, of course it's for the Trap Nest concert and at the Trap Nest concert, uh, Nana will see Ren, uh, for the first time and Ren will eventually like re-enter her life. Um, so there's this, uh, I like this line because it's highlighting how, um, it felt like because of this like rupture, um, there was this distance for these characters between their the past and then the uh, the present that was painful, 
um, and that they were struggling with. Um, and you really like perceive that that distance felt uh, like it uh, very uh, palpable. Um, but then the distance is suddenly like <laughs> collapsed here. Uh, and then that, that collapse is also like painful. Um, so the, like the kind of distortion of time that that's happening, um, comes out in, in this line. Yeah. Um, there's also in the, the live action movie, which maybe at some point in the future we will, if we get like enough, uh, stuff that we've done on ghost divers that has a, a live action adaptation. Maybe we'll do like a series where we watch through some of them. Um, mm-hmm. But I've seen both of the, the non live action movies. Um, and the first one, which we're rapidly approaching, like what the first one covers, uh, like the end. Um, but they especially play like this sequence um, as very intensely you are not out to your family and you're bringing your girlfriend home um, mm. and talking about how like your roommates. Um, but like we get in the car, like Nami says you're living with your boyfriend. Is that true? Is it that one guy, the one who always came over while you were in art school, Shoji? And like at that, Hachi's like, no. And you know, Nana says it's not true. I'm her roommate. Um, and then we get, uh, you know, again, that stuff coming up being like, oh, you know, you ran off to to be with your, your boyfriend or whatever. And then like explaining like, no, Nana is Nana's roommate. <laughs> um, yeah. What what happened to your boyfriend? Don't believe the hype. Um, so and then, you know, the yeah. the deflecting the boyfriend here. expectation. Yeah. Uh, and then the key moment here, living with a girl like this, she must be a real pain. I'm sorry. And Nana says, uh, no, Nana, meaning Hachi here, uh, is honest, considerate, and cheerful. I'm happy to live with her. Um, and there's like a, a surprise both from Hachi and her mother. Um, and then, you know, the while they're in, yeah, while they're in Hachi's room, Hachi's sort of uh, blushing a bit again. And jokingly, like, Nana is honest, considerate, and cheerful. I'm happy to... And then Nana interrupts. I really think that. Uh, which she blushes at again. Um, yeah, and this whole conversation, um, that leading up to uh, the... A couple really powerful moments where um, Nana finally shares... Um, her family background, um, the fact that she's an orphan and um, the situation with her, her mom. Uh, and then, you know, sort uh, of the, the, the callousness that you would have if being abandoned by your mother when you were four or whatever. Um, she ran off with some guy who knows maybe she died in the gutter. Um, <laughs> not that I really care. Yeah. Um, and then Hachi having, um, like a deeply emotional uh, response to that um, and seeking to comfort Nana, um, even though Nana's like, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> uh, I'm not like w- desiring that type of comfort right now. 
um, but Hachi like wanting to um, to to do that for her, yeah, uh, and then that opening up into um, Hachi trying to invite further closeness and intimacy um, by you saying oh you know i'm i'm so glad that you told me you never really told me anything about yourself before it always kind of bothered me um filling in the blanks here i'm editorializing but um (laughs) because i want to like have this closeness with you and share these things and, and know you more um and then nana basically reciprocating uh and and uh honoring that and being like okay you know what no i I will tell you just ask me and i will tell you uh so extending trust in turn um which uh of course right at this moment wheels us right back around to (laughs) uh the idea of them uh of Nana being Hachi's boyfriend. Yeah. Hachi laughing. Uh, Nana, why are you such a dude? You're more like a boyfriend than a female friend. My heart just totally skipped a beat. Yeah. What should I so do? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm reacting to you in this moment as I would to a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because this is such a, um, you know, <laughs> such an intimate <laughs> and romantic moment. Uh, and uh, also a, an intimate and like this intimate moment where, you know, you, you imagine that the relationship that would be with Junko would be a bit different here, but also it, it feels like part of like the, why are you such a dude is that Nana is like, you know, I'm sort of bad at talking about myself. I'm, I'm, like it's hard for me to have the deep personal conversations but i will do this for you if this is like a thing that you want just like the thing you have to do is to ask me like you have to mm-hmm. at least ask uh cuz otherwise i don't know if i will know when to do it um and that being something that uh especially to hachi is such a like um this is like a more masculine way of relating to feelings of being like i i will try to do this for you <laughs> Um, you need to like ask me about it, but I I will do my best, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, I just don't process my feelings that way. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'll do it for you. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't had a lot of female friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just think so differently. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but then uh, this like escalating even further, where uh. Hachi is now like empowered by this um intimacy and uh seeking even more um so then reaching out um grabbing Nana by the arm and actually like bringing her cl- herself closer physically um and then saying so oh so you you really tell me anything you swear to tell the truth um and then finally revealing this big like elephant uh maybe not elephant in the room but uh 
you know, this, this huge, uh, omission between them, um, finally like acknowledging it, um, this, uh, and also, you know, a thing that Nana is deeply emotional about. So kind yeah. of putting that on the table for them to share and, and discuss. Um, um, which they do. Uh, well, somewhat. It, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, this is also significant because she specifically asks, are you still in love with Ren? And does not get a direct answer. Uh, you know, Nana... Um, has a sort of moment of surprise and looks sad and then says, so, you know, um, and then says, you mean you knew and you, uh, and you brought me here. Thank you. Um, so again, we have like a sort of complex reaction there. Uh, but then at the concert, how she's sort of thinking, you know, she said she would be open. She would like, you know, answer my question. I just have to ask. I asked, are you still in love with Ren? And she didn't actually answer it. But in the same way that we have like that parallel with, uh, you know, the very first like one shot in volume one, where, again, Shoji in this moment of being like, "Ah, I'm a guy. It's hard for me to say the word love. You know, it's hard for me to talk about emotions in the way that you want me to talk about emotions. Um, But then still is able to communicate love in a way that Hachi can understand non-verbally that that love is a thing that can be non-verbal uh we then get here you know i asked do you still love ren you didn't answer but i still understood and what i understood is that if it was so simple as just i love him that would be an easy thing to say that actually just saying the like i love this person that can be easy but especially when love is tangled up in all these other complexities, like say the sense of pride of just being the girlfriend of a rock star or say the having to untangle the love that you're feeling from the internalized homophobia that you have around your ideas about like (laughs) what kind of woman that you should be as a housewife and everything. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes hard to say the words, but that doesn't mean that there's still not love there, but it is like a far more complex thing. The inability to say it gets shifted away from, um, you know, shows she's just a guy and it's really hard for a guy to say that word, you know, which in and of of itself is still, it's cliche, but it's also still Shoji's ability to talk about love being tangled up in a certain masculine like put yeah. on men about the way that they are supposed to engage, engage with feelings. We then get it here and we continue to get this thing repeated as a theme of like love can be a th- hard thing to say specifically. I love you is a, a, a difficult thing to say. This is true in general. And also like, um, you know, even more so like in the United States, I think, the general consensus is people say love a little bit more freely. Whereas like even in Japan, that like word is the, the actual word like for love is reserved pretty intensely for like Mm -hmm. very specific circumstances. And even like people who are dating and stuff might say like Suki, like, like I like that person. There's almost like a, a, I like, like them (laughs) that happens. Yeah. Or yeah, I, I like you a lot. Yeah. Like, 
like a lot, you know, like yeah. Daisuke. Um and in uh like romance manga in shoujo, one of the tropes is that the word love is often said more freely than it would be normally in normal conversation between like human beings. But there is a certain realism that Nana is applying while it's also doing some of these romance tropes. And I think one of them is interrogating that tension between the romance trope of saying the word, the societal thing where that actually gets held back more than it does in the romance manga uh, and exploring that. And what does it mean? Why do we hold it back? How does society like, how is that a thing that holds us back from saying things even when we have the idealized or like a dream version of it? Um, so yeah. Well, said. again, <laughs> all of that coming up and again, <laughs> coming up in a thing that is, I think fundamentally about the, the intense love between these two women that, uh, is difficult to articulate or to say directly for them for various social reasons. Yeah. And for personal reasons as yeah. well, specific to them. Yeah. Um, um, that, that being part of that, the matrix of, complexity there but we then have uh you know the pace really accelerates here um where we get a bunch of you know the countdown to the story of the show yeah um, nana uh waiting um hachi being nervous that Nana's not going to show and then um, nana, like lingering outside charging in at the last moment yeah. Um, it seems like one of those things where, uh, you know, Takami, he's doing his production work. So there's like some sort of like beat going on in the background and like various sounds hyping up um, while trying to pick music for the, the edit here. I was listening to live albums uh, of Bucktick like concerts. Um mm-hmm. Bucktick loves to do these like really long, elaborate, like sort of techno-y, but like, you know, various instrumentations, but it seems like it's like, you know, recorded and mixed together to be this like big swelling thing. And then it will like come to this point where they would seemingly take the stage. You'll hear the like crowd go wild and then like the guitar will start, you know, hitting a riff and the song will start. Um, And that's the, the vibe here. And it's specifically like, Right as the band's about to take the stage, Nana, you know, swoops in. Um, and both Nana and Hachi uh, transfixed on Ren, specifically. Um, you know, we even get uh, here. I, I think it, it actually shows up in the, the Junko's room. Is that it? Uh or Junko's place where um, Hachi remarks that she was was too uh, focused on Ren to pay attention to Takami, or does that happen in the chapter? I feel like that gets commented on. Mm, um, in in Junko's place, there's a joke about how in the prior volume. Uh, Hachi has a line where she call where she mistakes the instrument that Takumi plays. Like she says Naoki plays bass. Yeah. yeah. Um 
that might be what you're remembering. Um, uh, I mean, we can see visually in in yeah. the chapter that maybe she's I'm just not... remembering something that comes up like next volume. Mm, um, yeah, that may be the case. Yeah, but um, to your point, I mean, we can see plainly uh, in the panels that uh, Takumi is not the the center of focus. Um, uh, it's it seems that they're both uh, gazing at Ren, and then um, we see Hachi like shifting her her eyes to uh, to Nana, uh, who is is transfixed on Ren and crying. Yeah, um, and then we get the the final page of the section of reading, um, where. Hachi thinks the hand I was holding then was the only one I wanted to hold that night and forever. With, you know, them holding hands and then just shoujo sparkles. Yeah. I mean, what more can we say about that? <laughs> yeah. After everything that we've uh, said about about them uh, um, so far. But it's underscoring very strongly uh once again the uh i I think what has been portrayed uh in their relationship and kind of where they're at at this point um so very strong connection um it the fact that we end the the chapter on on them connected with their you know the hands held this very, very deep uh, sense of intimacy um, and security. Um, Hachi saying, you know, this is the only hand I want to hold uh, forever. Uh, we have this kind of snapshot of their relationship right now being very very strong yeah um and that's what we end on here so Uh, we'll have to see where that goes i mean is Uh, this the end of is this the end of of nana (laughs) is it uh no next (laughs) time the final volume here no we've read four volumes we have 17 more to go but we're only going (laughs) to read one and a half for next you know two weeks we'll be back uh, with chapters 13 through 18, which is volume five and half of volume six. So. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. We had a um, lot. Uh, we had a lot to, to cover tonight. Yeah. Uh, these were, these were good chapters and next time they'll also be good chapters because that's all there is in Nana. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're also going to get, a, you know, we've already talked this, about this a little bit, but like, we're seeing this deepening connection between them, but now we're going to have this new wrench thrown into the mix. Uh, starting R-E-N-C-H. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, let's wrap this up. We've made it, we've made it over four hours. <laughs> um... If you have emails for us, please send them to ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. 
Uh, you can go support the network, Export Audio Network, at exportaud.io. Uh, I highly encourage you if you are enjoying this podcast to do that, even though there's not a lot of bonus content directly related to ghost divers in that feed. Um, there was a thought once that this would be a bonus thing, but, um, seg after strike, you know, changed our plans a little. Um, but one thing that you can get if you like listening to us talk, um, is pondering Pouton, basically the night that it's recorded. Uh, we record, I immediately edit it. Uh, make the cover art and upload it to the Patreon. Uh, so you'll get that like, you know, there, there's a, a three week turnaround between when we record and when these episodes go out for Nana. Um, if you listen to Pondering Puton in the Patreon feed, uh, you're, you're getting like straight from the source. This is what we're up to, you know, yeah, week after week. Um, but if you're not ready to commit, uh, and, and give us even just $1, then you can go to exportaudio slash Puton to get the free feed. Um, I would also encourage people to do $5. Uh, there's a lot of fun, like bonus content that you only get if you're a $5 patron. Uh, notably, I'll just call out, uh, if you're a fan of manga, um, they are doing Hunter Hunter on coffee and comic books right now and uh after the first two episodes it's gone like to the patreon only um because that's usually how they structure things is like the very beginning is is free and then uh it's patreon only after that um autumn was telling me about like just vaguely that they read all of chimera ant and were having very intense reactions that they compared to some degree, to being how they felt when they read the glass-breaking chapter of Nana. So whatever's going on over there sounds intense, too. Uh, <laughs> so go check that out for $5. <laughs> um, I have not read Hunter Hunter, but maybe if, I, if I'm if i going to give a battle shonen thing a, a shot, it's like that and Saint Seiya. Those are the two that are like up there mm. for me. Uh, but anyway, um, I'll call out, uh, two other podcasts that I'm on. Um, Ornate Stairwells is currently the non-homophobia zone, but you can still find it at exportodio slash Ornate Stairwells. Uh, we are doing a Jose manga over there. We've been reading through Ikoko Nikki. Uh, there's a few moments where I thought about referencing it here, um, because there are also ways that, like, the, the main character, um, the, like, aunt in that uh i think is like struggles with uh emotions and stuff in a way that you might compare to takumi uh but has also made like far more significant steps in figuring out how to relate to people unlike takumi <laughs> um but there's also a lot of like trying to deal with trauma and uh specifically in that story how to try to help a child um when you both have potentially experience trauma from the same person um and how to like help a, a kid through that who do, does not have the the time and maturity that you have had to like process that and, and come to more conclusions so uh it's been a really good uh manga highly recommend it um and that people check out those episodes where uh sometimes they go almost as long as this but we don't talk about the manga nearly as much because it's just a very free form uh, autumn and i chatting podcast uh the one other podcast is around the long fire which i do with my friend m we are reading through icelandic sagas and we will hopefully be done um with 
uh, the kings soon. By the time people hear this, we we might finally be free of fucking St. Olivier. Um, so wow. look forward to that. He sounds like a real drag. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, you can follow the podcast at Ghost Divers Pod on Twitter or just at Ghost Divers on co-host. You can follow me at Fox Omnia on basically any social media platform that I'm on. Uh, where can people find you, Connor? Y'all can find me at Rabelais, R-A-B-B-L-E-A-S, at uh, Twitter and co-host. Uh, you use both of those constantly. Yeah, it's hard to remember them. There's so many. Yeah. I I I want us to find some sort of outro. If something like comes to us from Nana, I want us to embrace it. I don't want to force yeah. it, but oh, we'd never do that. Yeah. Um, we'll be I, on the hunt. Yeah, nothing has struck me yet. So okay. Um, we'll we'll just once again say bye. What bye. about? I wonder what I wonder what Sachiko is making for Shoji. Um, we can do that for this one. I don't think it's going to stick, but, uh, I wonder what Sachiko is making for Shoji. Yeah, me too. Bye.
I have hit record. Hit time that is open. As have I, and as am I. Oh, last chance for seven five seven. We'll just do. I don't know if you are ready, but I did yeah. it there. <laughs> uh. No, we'll just wait for like. I don't know. Um. Twenty-seven. Okay. If that works. Yeah. It's a bit of a wait, but... Yeah, it's like... It's really dragging on here. Alright. Good? Yep. Um, I'm gonna send this... This image now. Uh, Send it in the, the chat channel. Oh, this is your your new organiza- uh, organizing system. Uh, sort of. Or it's just, I, I'm reading, and I've started, I was like, I should just put those little tags. You know, those little, like, post-it note tags. Mm-hmm. Um, on pages where there's, like, you know, something, something. worth flipping to and talking about. Um, and so I did it for the, the second half of volume three, which is the one in the bottom on, on the picture. Uh, uh, there's only four. There's only four there. Um, then I got to volume four and that's where it just took off. Um, yeah. 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 There's, there's stuff all over volume four. Yeah. Uh, so maybe this is a good moment for us to mentally note, not to maybe linger too long on volume three. <laughs> uh, cause there's, there's already there's still signals stuff, that, but, yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Well, I mean, we'll discuss it. There's, there's stuff in there that's that's good. Um, yeah. But I'm looking at this this picture, and if this holds true, then uh, it looks it looks like there is more uh, of immediate interest to us in Volume Four. <laughs> uh, so try to be mindful of that. I also I mean, see your. You've got your, a fair number of notes for 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 Volume Three still. Yeah. I, well, part of that is I just. My notes for Chapter Seven are are very uh, minimal. Minimal. Yeah. 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 They just get gradually longer. Um, <laughs> your your notes do. I mean, Chapter Twelve is shorter, but I feel like that's a that's a. a chapter where the pace picks up in terms of like the page slips because there's so many like larger pages in there yeah um, uh part of it part of the reason why i have more notes on volume three is just because i hit a certain so the methodology for covering nana is different than for covering for our standard fare uh, which is you know, anime shows and films. And yeah. uh, I think I really figured that out last time uh, on the last discussion where it was like, oh, okay, yeah, here is the, <laughs> uh, here is the methodology that we're using that, that works very well. Uh, yeah. At least in my opinion, maybe, maybe listeners will disagree. <laughs> uh, but uh I'm still all of that to say I'm still adjusting my standard note taking process, which I don't need to tell you because you see it, you see them, uh, yeah. is is pretty meticulous, and so I'm like 
I think it took me through volume to, at the end of volume three, I kind of caught myself and I was like, I don't need to write all these quotes out because I have the material in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big thing that, that I hit on um, last time too was like, and that's why I started doing the, the little note tabs as well. Cause it's like, Oh, well, if there is something that I might want to quote, even if I like whether or not I will actually quote it, I should probably put like a little tab there. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And for me, I'm like in the course of recording, I'm going to look at every single page of this, of the manga. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or of the selected portions. Cause I'm uh, just going to scroll through as we're talking, as we're going through it. Yeah. Um, which is just very different than when we do anime. Yeah. Where you have to recollect everything. Yeah. Um, so that's part of the reason I, I am trying a new uh, methodology for my notes, which which that methodology is no notes <laughs> or minimal. Yeah. Uh, and then part of it Mi- is a lot of also having the material right in front of you so you can read the, the quotation. Um, yeah. But you can also analyze it on the, sp- on the spot. Like you can r- recall your thoughts much more easily um, and then also generate new thoughts. Yeah, uh, just when we're both looking at the page and we're talking about like, and and also like, there are moments where I stop and I look at a panel because we're talking about it on the podcast, and I had thoughts about like the line or the panel or whatever, but I'm like slowing down to talk about it, staring at it, and then I'm becoming even more aware of like the way that something is drawn or the way that this is interacting with the next page or whatever in a way that like is sort of hitting me when I'm reading it, but I'm not like thinking through it as directly. Cause I'm also trying to like maintain pace and like, you know, yeah, not like get completely bogged down investigating every single panel constantly. Um, yeah. I know some people who read comics like that and it, it feels excruciating to me if I like try to completely slow down to that. Like I'm looking at every single thing on every single page really carefully. Um, yeah. My... There's maybe a point with Nana where I would do that. Uh, as just like a, a method of trying to reread it. Uh, but it, it does like, it just slows things down too much for me. I, I need to like have that sense of pace. Yeah. And so do I, um, my, I, I find that I get the most out of it when I get a kind of like organic pace, because yeah. then when I get an organic pace, uh, in my reading, then I'm absorbed in in the world in a way that um, connects me with the characters and uh, like the emotional situation at, yeah. at any given moment. Um, um, and so then that it opens me up to those moments of being particularly struck by a panel or something, you know? Yep. In a way that I don't know if I would have that like same impact if I was looking at every single panel as intently. Um, right. Well, you'd whereas, have a different experience, but it's yeah. not. It's not my preference either. Yeah. <laughs> to do it um, that way. Yeah. Also, there's a lot. I mean, that would take a lot, a lot more time for us to do it that way. Like, yeah, we, we would be doing. If that was our podcast, then 
we'd be doing like a chapter of a week maybe yeah we it would be a lot different and yeah i think that would be excruciating yeah there would be like of the like work would probably be valid <laughs> um and like uh, maybe highly interesting to a narrow an even narrower range of people who like who who really want <laughs> to engage with comics that way and then like yeah. Anna. um but uh for this this is like the comprehensive reread this is not necessarily like the formal specifically the the close formal panel by panel analysis yeah but it it is comprehensive enough and uh we'll take that in slow enough that, yeah we can do that at select moments yeah but even so far i have found that um going back to the the way of reading that we uh that we articulated a lot of the time for me um i just read organically through it and i maybe not uh specifically uh attempting to do uh, analysis the whole time i'm just re- i'm uh getting into the story and then a lot of like elements click at once in uh like understanding the psychological situation uh, of a certain, like in a certain scene or something. And then it's easier to back off and be like, Oh, okay. What are the elements that are clicking here? And then you can go back and be like, well, here's all these connections. Here's these formal elements that, uh, that were, you know, foreshadowing this and then supporting it, um, or deepening it or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know yeah. if this is just maybe a little too navel gazy. Uh but I do yeah, like talking about I like talk from time to time I do like to talk about the production of the show on the yeah. show. <laughs> uh so I guess uh I guess maybe we've said enough about that. Um, yeah, we should. We, we can maybe do uh, it partially just in the interest of time, in the interest of going to bed. Yeah, <laughs> we can do drink check and then start the episode. Okay, I'll let you go first. I've already seen your drink. Yes, it's in there. It's in your phone. Yeah, so I have two. I have the the strawberry glass um, that I am pouring beer into. Um, I feel like I didn't really notice like a specific brand at this time. Um, there's definitely some moments where they were like drinking cans and stuff, but it, I, I didn't notice a, a specific brand in there. So mm-hmm. I just did Kiran Ichiban cause I like it. Um, I thought about doing, um, a mug cause there's there a few times they're like drinking at, um, Jackson hole, uh, out of these like sort of frosted mug with the beer in it. Um, mm. but I, I had one that the cats broke. And so I, I, I feel like I had another one, but I couldn't find it. And I was like the strawberry, I still have to do the strawberry glass until like impactfully. I don't have the strawberry glass and then I do again. And you know, all of that. And you're, yeah. You're going to emulate the, yeah. The manga <laughs> plot line in your drink check. Yeah. Yeah. When is the strawberry glass there or not there? It will also be like present or not present 
in, in the room while I'm recording. Nice. Um, and then I also have sort of a wine glass. Uh, it's it's a little bit flatter bottom, but this is like a, a newer glass that Emily got. That's nice. So I wanted to to use it. Um, and I did the lemon juice and uh, sparkling water. That oh that Shin's drink. Shin yeah Shin makes it for the first time I think in this reading. So I was like okay, Shin made it. I'm gonna I'm gonna drink it. Um, it'll probably come back again when it's like more significantly being made. Uh, but he does make it for, uh, Hachi. I think when they're like talking about, uh, Ren. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's just sort of making it in the background while, while they're talking. So mm-hmm. I will say, um, as someone who has uh coffee or an asthma and sometimes when I cough, uh, makes my throat feel rough. Um, this is quite nice. I should I should think to just squeeze some lemon juice in my sparkling water sometimes. So up until now, for some reason, I always thought it was an orange that he was uh, it using could be. in this drink. I um, feel like it really looked like a, a lemon in this one. Let me see. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll uh pay extra attention to that. <laughs> I think there's a there. I think there's a point where he uses uses grapefruit. For for a specific oh, it might reason, be a grapefruit. Yeah. When that happens, I am not going to use grapefruit because grapefruit uh, interacts poorly with my my hormone replacement therapy. Um, it like just cancels stuff out. I think you just not, I'm not supposed to have grapefruit, so I'm never wow. going to do the grapefruit in the the drink. But um, well, then we can just call it an orange. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. On my first read through, which was last last year. Um, there were a couple times where I was reading and, and Shin was making the drink and I was like, God damn it, Shin, that looks so refreshing. And I don't have, I don't have a fruit and yeah, some Topo Chico or whatever to, <laughs> to make yeah, this it, right now. It is definitely a lemon in this chapter. Um, okay. Just like from the shape. I, I guess it could be a lime, but I feel like it's a lemon. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, it's it's Perrier, which I didn't have, but that's the the specific one. Okay. Yeah, um, I feel like that's probably a, the type of brand that Shin is working with. Yeah. Um. So was that was that it? And then you and then you have water, right? Yeah. You have just normal water. water. Or you just have the yeah. Yeah, I have some standard water. Um. So my drink check, I've got st- standard water, as you called it. <laughs> Um, and then I've got, and what I hope does not become a habit, uh, I have a Red Bull here. Um, I have, uh, I got like the small one, but yeah, I just, I normally drink tea. I want to be caffeinated to record ghost divers. That's for obvious reasons. Yeah. I normally drink tea. And then tonight I was like, uh, you know what? I'm just going to I'm going to go with the Red Bull and really get energized here. Um make sure that we can make it all the way through the three and a half. Poten- potentially, we could go shorter. Uh but then I didn't want a whole a whole Red Bull because it is almost 10 p.m. Uh so maybe we'll see how this pans out later when I'm trying to sleep. 
Yeah. Uh, and then I have the fretboard um, brewing company, Vlad Pilsner, which I've had. Um, so I've got some Red Bull and I've got some beer. Uh, <laughs> typically not a good, uh, not an advisable mixture, but yeah. small enough quantities here that I think it's maybe just uh, maybe a, pre- a, a viable combination for podcasting. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> uh, we'll find out if it's not. Um, and then, yeah, the once again, I have the standard water to, to dilute this. Um, my uh, my upper and downer yeah. uh, drink. <laughs> um. I realized at some point, I won't go on too long about this. Um. I do a fair amount of road trips, like long drives for various reasons. And at some point, so it used to be, um, I would get gas station coffee, like the actual, um, brewed coffee. I had one really bad experience with that, uh, which maybe I'll tell that story sometime later, but I had one really bad experience with that. And now I just can't, um, it, it just makes me sick. So then I started doing the, uh, glass, the bottled like Starbucks drink. Um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that was never too good either, (laughs) but I was doing it just because I didn't want to fully make the leap to the energy drink. Um, but it's just like it's so syrupy and nasty, um, so I was kind of flirting with those for a while, and then of course, fuck Starbucks also. Um, so uh, I moved on to like the coffee energy drink, which is like the whatever brand Monster yeah. has them, and, and those are terrible um, and gross. But uh, I suffered with that for a while. And then uh, on a recent road trip, I was like, well, I'll just get a Red Bull. And uh, I realized that I actually like, I actually really like the taste of Red Bull. Yeah, I I enjoy it. There's like that. And I think it's the like, what, taurine or whatever. There's that like other. Um, Yeah, it says it's got. Hold on, it's. I record in pitch pitch dark, so I can't really read the. Uh, the label. We'll we'll just say it's taurine. It probably has all of the, yeah, guarine taurine. Oh yeah, um, with, with taurine, lightly carbonated. Yeah. But I like th- I like something that just makes your jaw clench. Yeah. When it I, because it's so sour, it's sour in that way that it just like it it makes your jaw spasm a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it has this flavor where I don't know if this is actually what the flavor is, but like, I think it's like, to me, it's like the caffeine and taurine. And it's just this like flavor of like, oh, I am consuming something that is like not necessarily good for my body. 
<laughs> and yeah, and you like and that? I I enjoy it. I enjoy the flavor, but it also is a flavor, like. In the way that, like, you eat really spicy food, and you're having a reaction, and it's your body... It's like, the plant wants you to have that reaction, to be like, oh, I'm not going to eat you, because it's simulating chemical burn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting burned by this. And you're not actually, but it's, like, firing off the same nerves or whatever. Um, and then, like, in this weird way, uh, chili plants, now it's... It still has become a defense mechanism for them, but we do cultivate them and eat them for that experience. Mm-hmm. Like the taste of energy drinks feels like a synthetic version of that kind of experience where you're like getting some sort of feedback to your body of being like, you shouldn't have too much of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's like, it's a, a danger feedback. Yes. And I, and I, I enjoy that in an energy drink because one, there's that little jolt where like I do like how it tastes, but mm-hmm. I also like that it has that certain uh, impulse of like this is something that like you know you it's, probably shouldn't have a lot of because you I probably shouldn't have lots of caffeine. I shouldn't drink multiple any energy drinks. Uh huh. So I like that it it still it functions that way. Like it's a flavor that I enjoy, but also a flavor that I enjoy because there's a certain like intense reaction in the same way that I enjoy chili, but like. I eat like one spicy thing and I'm like dish and I'm like, Oh, that, that's, that's good. But like, I'm not just going to keep eating spicy food now in the way mm-hmm. that like sugar, you can just keep going, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, sweet candy. You can just, it, you can just chow down on, but there's a certain yeah. point with spicy food where you're like, it is told me like, this is not something I should consume a lot of. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I like that too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I've I've made the shift now to to Red Bull. Uh, going back to your point, probably not something I should drink too often. Yeah, maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know, but um, I'm just gonna go with my gut and say that I probably shouldn't drink it too often. So, hopefully, it doesn't become a habit. I can just stick with tea, which pretty much. <laughs> Just seems to be uh, there seems to be uh, stronger consensus around tea being good for you, <laughs> uh, as opposed to you know I, I don't think many people are making this argument for Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, uh, maybe a, a one a one night dalliance <laughs> with Red Bull here uh, for Nana uh, chapters seven through twelve. So we have um, some intense, we have some intense uh, emotions here. Some yeah. maybe self-destructive behaviors as well. Yeah, uh, seems fitting. Uh, a me jump scare. Mm. There's that one panel where uh, yeah. where Hachi's imagining uh, being held by Takumi. It's it's, it's a true Takumi jump scare. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> I thought I had multiple volumes before we got to this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the, it is an interesting experience to, to know, to be rereading Nana. Um, this is really apropos of nothing, but, uh, for me rereading it and, and knowing the stuff that comes later, 
Uh, it mm-hmm. is it is a rather different experience. Um, yeah, and uh, and deeper in in a certain in a certain way. Um, I've been thinking about talking to me a lot as we. Uh, so I've been jump scaring myself. Yeah, <laughs> with talking me. <laughs> Uh, even before it, uh, we got that panel. So I haven't exactly been free from him. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, we're going to see more. So um, we'll gird ourselves for that. Yeah. Uh, should we get into the podcast? Yep. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, hold on. Uh, can uh, can we pause for just a second? I need to switch my yeah. headphones out. Sorry. No worry. Okay. Can you hear me? Uh, you had a really weird robot voice. One moment. Okay, how about now? Now you sound normal. Okay. Sorry about that. My uh my main headphones are they're dying. Um I didn't realize that they would that they were that bad. Um Okay, so we should be good now. Um Um, do you want to do a body break before we move on to chapter 10? We're, we're yeah. halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay. Be right back. <clears throat> Hello. Hey. Um, I had to put the dog back on her chair bed thing. Yeah. She tried to follow me downstairs. So I have to get her back situated again. Um, I'm just quick double checking my. I've got uh, I got I guess it'd be emu deck because it's emulator. I want to say emu deck because it's just emu, so emu. Um, saying emu makes it more fun. Yeah. Uh, but it's like the the main emulator thing on Steam Deck, um, which is like you know I will often do the the wink wink nudge nudge. But like truly, I have a bunch of PlayStation Two games. I do still have my PlayStation Two hooked up. <clears throat> um, I do play them sometimes. Uh, but also the idea of just playing the PlayStation Two games that I I do have. <laughs> I do actually just have a lot of PlayStation 2 games that I have lots of fondness for and still own. Um, playing them portably is nice. So I've I've got them, like, uh, on the Steam Deck. Um, and I haven't tried playing yeah, any of them yet, but there's a... You know, it's been, like, a process, like, uh, getting them loaded on there. Um, and then there's a, a compression tool that will, like you know, compressed down. So it's not taking up as much space. 
Um, and that just takes a while to run. So I've been like running that and I just have the Steam Deck in here so that like, you know, <laughs> body break, I can check and make sure that like nothing failed. So nice. Um, yeah, that's super convenient. Yeah. I've got a shitload of PS2 games. I have two PS2s for some reason. Um, I probably won't ever hook up a PS2 and play it again though. <laughs> just I realistically speaking. Aside from times when I've unplugged it to move it to a new location, uh, my PlayStation 2 has been hooked up and into a, comp- a monitor of some sort, like a, a TV, a, like CRT, whatever, um, basically since I got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I mean, originally I had like the bigger one and then I eventually uh, sold it to get like the slim version um, to you know, just have like the, the slim there's like, I feel like there were some benefits to it as well, but, um, some of it was just like, Oh, I, I just want to like upgrade to the slim version, you know, towards the end of its life. Uh, like the, the PlayStation two's life cycle. Um, but yeah. And then, I mean, I just like immediately went where it was and then, uh, I've had that one and that one has been plugged in at like, Every time I move, it's it's still plugged in somewhere. It's plugged um, in immediately. Yeah. Um, I have it hooked into like a small CRT right now because I think it just looks better on CRT. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't play it like constantly, but it, it is just like it's my favorite console ever. And I, you know, you can play PlayStation games on it, too. So you you get the PlayStation and the PlayStation 2 library. And it's like, come on, what are we doing here? This is this is it, the greatest. It, it, it is an amazing console. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited about the idea of, especially for like, because um, a lot of the stuff that I think about replaying someday are like RPG stuff. And the idea of being able to like plug away at that slowly on like a handheld instead of having to like sit in the chair that I have the CRT, it's the, be the so tiny CRT. Convenient. Yeah. Um, so. You know, I've been yep. playing Soul Can't Hackers 2 and a tiny bit of Armored Core 6 on the Steam Deck, but uh, it's also entirely possible that I'll be playing a bunch of PlayStation and PlayStation 2 games on there. Follow your heart, you know? Yeah. Uh, I haven't... I'm going to finish Baldur's Gate 3 before I start Armored Core 6, because I, I want to fully devote myself... Yeah. The two games I want to fully devote myself to... Uh, and so I'm just going to, I'm going to do it firmly in sequence, even Have though I'm very in your heart to upgrading the PC here. Not yet. Okay. I, we have to, Sarah and I are, have to do a house purchase budget review. Yeah. Uh, next week. And for some reason I've decided that I'm going to make the decision on the computer components after that. Even though it probably it probably doesn't matter, yeah, uh, it's, it still makes sense. Yeah, so that's that's probably what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I didn't order the Steam Deck until after we'd like, even though we just stopped paying for daycare because our kids going to public school now. Um, we still like waited until like you know bills and all that stuff before it was like okay, I'm gonna order the Steam Deck. I've been yeah. thinking about it. I still want it. Um, and it is truly just great. Uh, like playing Soul Hackers 2, which was on PlayStation uh, 4 
but like it was towards the time where I wasn't playing PS4 very much. Um, and I was like, well, like I want to play this someday, but I also know it's shorter than a lot of mega 10 games. So I'm not going to feel like too bad if I like add it on later, like I get it later and there's other games that have come out. And I, when I, I made that decision, I was like, cause someday I'll just get like a PlayStation five or like the new Xbox, you know, mm-hmm. there'll be enough like other new games that I want. And then I just hit this point where I was like, I think most of the games that I want that are on new consoles are also going to be on steam and will work yeah. on steam deck. And yeah. I had the part where I was just playing soul hackers Two, like curled up on the sofa. Um, like Emily was watching something on TV and I'm like, this is so much better than a PlayStation five for me, for oh, yeah. what I want from video games. <laughs> yeah. Um, no question. The only reason why I am not strongly considering doing it is because I already have a PC. Then just like that slate. I still think it's worth doing, but that slight amount of redundancy is holding me back. Yeah. But I mean, um, you can like cross play and stuff or, you know, like move between yeah. And I know there's a few games where, um, like that was the one complaint I saw with soul hackers too, which they may have fixed through some patch, but that, um, there's something, if you are frequently switching between like desktop and steam deck that like could happen with the, the cloud save stuff, uh, mm, that could like mess yeah. up your save. And so there are people being like, Oh, it's busted. I don't know. I don't know why anyone's saying you can play it on steam deck. And I'm like, I, I don't have a PC I'm switching it to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your problem seems specialized too. You're swapping back and forth a lot. <laughs> yeah. People have such low tolerance for like anything being yeah. even slightly wrong with their video game. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's kind of funny to me. Um but anyway. I, I'm excited. I, I already felt like, oh, this is exciting. And now I've You're got the this second person where... <laughs> whose opinion I really trust that I has told me Steam decks are great. Yeah. So, um, it seems seems like a my interest the, has increased. The fact that it's just like massively popular, like it just has a large user base, is part of it because it just means that there's like there are people who will like do patches on their own to fix stuff. Um, Steam's putting money into making stuff run better on the Steam Deck, um, and you know, Emu Deck, like is very easy to use and stuff because the people are, you know, it, it's a big enough that the like emulator community is going to like pour time into making that work in the same way that like they really latched on to the Vita and there's so much more stuff that makes like emulation on the Vita easier than there was on some of the other consoles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I do have so that I, I have backups of all of my games Um like I have my my R four for the DS. I have uh my three DS hacked. Um, I have my PSP hacked. Which truly, PSP PlayStation games and PSP games. That's like basically all you should be running on that. Um, <laughs> unless it's like literally the only thing you have that you can hack and and emulate stuff on. Um, but yeah, I remember uh, you telling me about hacking your PSP. Yeah. It's very easy to do. And uh, there has been, if you can get where people have done the eboot files of PlayStation games, so it just like loads it up within the PSP's like native uh, PlayStation Classic emulator. Um, that's like, for a long time, that was like, if I wanted to play a PlayStation game portably, I did it that way on the PSP. <clears throat> yeah. 
Well, now you got um, the better, the newer, better hardware. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I know this has like CRT filters and stuff. We'll see how I feel about it. Um, I'm excited though to finally have something that can do PS2 games portably because that's the dream. Anyway, let's yeah, get back to the. <laughs> okay, let's get yeah, back let's to do the... it. 